unders, down your unders. Review and dissection of content from some of the sharpest minds in the game. Hosted by Adam Camilleri, Art of War, down under. Hello ladies and gentlemen and welcome to this extra special spicy 123 episode 123 of the Art of War Done Under podcast. My name is, as is normal every week, is Adam Camilleri. One day it's going to be a different voice, just because I'm going to mix it up. I'm just going to get somebody on and they're just going to just, just take over for me for a week and I want to have a vacation or something. But it is not this day, for I have some very important things to do. And that is because it's it's what I think and what I hold as my favorite codex of 9th edition, the Gene Sealer Cults are getting their codex retrospective. And to that end, I realized I know like all three of the predominant Gene Sealer Cult players on this earth in the meta. I'm sure there's a bunch of other, yeah, you know, people in... Pop- I think there's four. I'll, I'll go it's, four. There's probably four, right? And I, I know three of them. I'm good mates with three of them. And I've decided to pull in two of them for your listening pleasure. I am very honored, very happy to, to be joined by, first and foremost, the boss baby himself, captain of Team Scotland at the WTC, uh, Mr. Inez Wilson. Welcome to the show, brother. Thank you very much for having me, Adam. It's an absolute pleasure to be here on this lovely Sunday night. Yes, yeah, Sunday night for you. A uh, very early Monday morning for you. What time is it for you, like Mr. Lovely Dustin Henshaw? It's the uh, middle of the day for me, so I'm just sitting here with a beer, you know? That's just normal. Nice. Good stuff. That is that is Dustin Henshaw from Stuttle Scrub, also on the Thursday show with myself. I would like to give you a ch- him a chance to plug his wares for you, if you would like to hear more from him. Oh, yes, of course. So the Stutter Scrub podcast, we do re- usually release these episodes every two weeks that we will go over our retrospective on the competitive scene of 40 40- and our traveling, or our travels to try to make it to the WTC Canadian team, or just maybe going to singles too, because uh, Jesse's Jesse's getting a little angsty to go to to go to well at this point Belgium, right? So we want to we want to talk about that, and uh, we also do some uh, live stream games as well on Wednesdays. So let's check that out too. Anywhere you watch these things or listen to us, just search Center Scrub. You'll probably find us. Uh, are you are you named for Team Canada 2023, brother? No, no, no. We have not been named yet. We haven't picked the team. Not that yet. far along yet. Yeah. Not that uh, far along. We're getting there. We're, we're close, actually. Nice, nice. Are you going for the contention? Do you want it? Uh, well, I always want to go. It's just a matter of can I go and will I be able to? You know? Can I get yeah. Can I get the invite? Can I get invited back? It is. Hand pass. Your turn. Tell us about the things you're upon. Yeah, so I am part of the Stat Check. I don't know if we're a network yet, but we're definitely a show and a website. So we record every Tuesday night. That's UK time. Uh, we do a bit of a stat rundown on the last week. So try to fill into the boots of some shows like Stat Center that are no longer running anymore. Try to fill a bit of that. And then we have myself, Anthony and Nathan. Anthony and I are probably happy to say fairly high-level players at this point, despite the fact that it makes me cringe every time internally that I say it. And we try to give our perspective on the meta, any upcoming topics and things like that. We also run our website. So um, we have things like uh, an ELO system, uh, a curated ELO system, which is weighted for factions. Uh, we run a meta report. Uh, and then we have a meta dashboard breakdown where you can see a bunch of stats yourself. So if you're interested in any of that, check us out with stat-check.com. Uh, yeah, we'd love to have you. I, I lose. I tune in every week. I'm always. A, I'm a. I'm a sat, sat check uh, admirer, enjoyer. You should be too. In addition, lovely startle scrub. Goodness, yeah. I get up on some of those live streams as well. Well, I usually watch them back. It's usually too late for me. But anyway, I enjoy watching. Eric Dustin's one of the few people that plays good lists for Nets and GSC, so it's good to watch <laughs> uh, a little bit yeah. of good content. <laughs> um, so if you like enjoyed that please jump over there we do have a spicy part two to this podcast as well should you wish to support me in any way 
This is a two-parter. Um, second part comes out, well, it all comes out on Tuesday mornings, Eastern Standard Time, but second part is behind the paywall, which is the, the way I've been able to go for 123 episodes, and hopefully you'll join me for 123 more over on Patreon at the Art of War Done Under or the Art of War 40K.com to get the spicy rest of the conglomerated wraparound Art of War services, your War Room, your Vanilla Art of War, your uh, Unbroken Art of War, your clinics, your top table crazy, uh, insane testing matches of the top of the meadow with some of the best players in the world. So yeah, jump in there and enjoy it. But uh, yeah, boys, we're here to we're here to break down and review the G- well retrospectively review the GSC Codex. I said something at the start. I'm um, saying this is my this is actually my favorite Codex of Ninth Edition. Construction wise, the way it's built, the way it, it works internally. This is what I would have hoped all the codexes were, and it's pretty much this is a shining beacon of how I want things to be, where nothing's kind of handed to you, everything's pretty difficult to mesh together, but when it does, it's savant-like, crazy, big brain, you feel like a master. Um, first impressions, boys, was yours similar to mine, Dustin? Oh, absolutely. I I loved how the, the book uh, put together and how it, how it read, and even the, I th- we'll talk about this a lot, I think, over the course of this episode, but the Myriad Cult, so the custom way you build your cult is by far the best way to do it in the game right now. Mm. Like, bar none. It is the only one that is actually point-driven. Now, mind you, I'll be the first one to admit that some of those points are probably wrong. 100%. 120%. Industrial affinity should not be a one, but whatever. We, Which, we won't, what, uh, what's we won't the, harp on that. What's the six-up feel-no-pain one as well? It's one. one. Yeah, what's the crap? <laughs> the mini transhumans one, you know, it's just... Yeah. Yeah. It's, let's just be honest. It's, uh, it's not pointed properly, but the design idea of it, I think, was beautiful and it's perfect and yeah, some of the ones that are three i'm like i wouldn't take these if they were one if they so, were one exactly right true, yeah the, exactly yeah. and you get to take up to four right you get four points to spend yep, four points. yep. Uh, it's, it's so good but as opposed know, to other ones like you only get to at most like get to pick two basically and sometimes one cost is, is two of them so inez what were your first impressions of this book when you first cracked it so i launched onto this book with the perspective of i want to figure out how to play a melee army and i latched onto twisted helix basically the first time i read it in like all of the all of the reviews and all of the uh, all of the preview information i went twisted helix me and you ride or die uh, and that was what i played for basically the first few months of its lifespan until i kind of moved on from the codex and onto bigger and better things like crusher stampede uh mostly <laughs> crusher stampede uh <laughs> It was a rough time when this book came out. Um, it, it really was, wasn't it? Just to paint the picture for you guys, this came out literally, what was it? It wasn't the same weekend as Custodes, but it felt like there was it only was maybe... The same weekend. It, was, it was, was the same weekend. Oh, see, in my same. head... It, uh, in my they, head were, they were both in the Shadow Throne box. Exactly. Yeah. In my head, it says it was, but I was like, surely it wasn't. Surely it was like one weekend next weekend or something. But no, it, you're right, it was. So this came... got th- delayed about a month. We were meant to get it at the end of December, and we ended up getting it right before Alveon. COVID, COVID's still wreaking havoc, and uh, there, I think there was still like a barge stuck in the the canal somewhere, um, the Evergreen or whatever the shit was. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but because I mean, what a what a reminiscent time. Um, so this came out adjacent to the Custodes, uh, and on release, the Custodes were quite cranked. Um, and then it was contending with a a matter of big gribblies, intensely high toughness, and neg- and minus damage because it had Crusher Stampede, you had Thick City, and you had Custodes, all multi wound good save, damage modifiers, crazy crap like that. And I just felt like it just... You could not have dropped it into a deeper pool, like into a deeper well, like to, and made, made it try to claw its way out of. It was really, really rough. 
Yeah, because then we immediately also got Tau with all of their indirect Ex- shenanigans. Ex- exactly. Um, right. yeah. It was just a really, it was a really bad time for the JC Codex to debut. On, on release, it, in a vacuum, the book seems incredibly, incredibly powerful, incredibly tricksy. Uh, and then into the specific environment we released, it was like, oh, just nothing this book is trying to do lines up well right now. Yeah. Yeah, I I wish this got a if I had a you know I want this would have been such a great book to have alongside Necrons and Space Marines when they first came out. This would have been a beautiful trio with those because I feel like that's how it's built. It's built on similar parameters to the start of the ninth edition stuff with a bunch of extra spice, extra tech, extra juice in the blips in the um in like in the Builder Bear stuff in um oh, what are they, in the cross in the crossfire mechanics as well. I feel like it was a beautiful mechanic and yeah i felt like it just came out like remember when people say oh, i was born in the wrong era this thing came out in the wrong era it came out in, in just, <laughs> yeah, this needed to yeah. come out like when it was just called a strive trikari and then it would have been a great meta oh, oh, would have would, of oh my, my god it would have actually given them a run right i mean yeah, not, not maybe not dark techno crazy but nah, you got one wound anyway who cares oh that's true that's true oh, are you gonna kill me no matter what who gives a crap um, that is absolutely true. In fact, the baby transhuman would have been actually quite frustrating for a lot of the dark techno stuff. Actually, yeah, it would have been. Um, <laughs> but moving on to where are they now? Inez, you want to field it? How, how are they playing in the meta at the moment? And what's your feeling about how they're holding up the book? So remember that thing we said at the start of the show where like, we might know four GSC players? Um, yeah, only like two of them are getting results right now. It's really weird. Um that that's underselling it a little bit. There are some people doing very well with Gene Circle. But the book is, on the whole, never been that bad in the meta. Like it usually hovers between sort of like that 45 and 47% mark, which says that, you know, your codex has got the tools, it can win some games, but it's not gonna win events, and it'll, you know, you're never gonna get the the biggest of success with it. And it's never really broken out of that. It had like a good weekend on release when people just didn't really know what it did. And then I think it went from the release weekend, it didn't win a tur- another tournament until it won WTC, which was six months later. Um, that's a pretty long spread to go without results um, for a codex. But um, certainly the sort of the, the bike focus builds that Eric pioneered at WTC have been doing better in the meta. We've seen a few people do really well with them at Leicester this weekend. Uh, I think there were like two, four and one results from GSE, one nice. flat, one three and two result. Um, which from from pretty good players, players like Malik still playing it. Um, we've seen Eric doing really well with it, winning a major with it in the States. I played it at Coventry to a 7-1. and one. So it's definitely a codex that can still run really hot, but not a lot of people play it. The build that you have to run is not really what you play GSC for, in my eyes. It's it's not really a GSC list, as like as you would quote-unquote think about it. It's I, I call it Guard with funny hats. Um, well, it's somewhere between Guard and Admech to me. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. Um, it feels more like a White Scars list sometimes. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's just all these bikes doing cool stuff. Um, so yeah, you you can definitely still get you still get aspects of it in there. I'd go mad if I didn't have the one Gene Stiller squad so I could feel like I was being cool. <laughs> um, like, I have to have it. It's like, without it, I'm just not playing GSC. Um, so yeah, it's definitely... It's definitely a powerful book. You could definitely win events with it if you are willing to put the time in and you have that strong player base. But the average person isn't going to pick this book up and probably even do well with it without putting in some serious effort. Yeah. Uh, Dustin, uh, same question. Where are they now in your eyes? Yeah, I would echo a lot of the things that Dennis was saying. It's, it has definitely graduated from the melee focus that everybody kind of saw immediately. Because I think most players... Well, obviously, like the the really the guys that really dug into it when it first came out saw the twisted helix combo was like, okay, this is this is the way to play mm. GSC right now. It just makes perfect sense, and everybody kind of fo- followed that direction. Now, to me, it actually didn't. It made no sense to me to go like the twisted helix build was it was great. I it was really powerful in terms of what uh, GSC could do because it was mass numbers, and you know, it's something that would uh, help 
deal with the things they would normally have trouble dealing with with the book that they were given. But it was weird to me because the entire cult trait, quote-unquote, was the crossfire, which was shooting. And everyone was going like pure melee. So for me, I always wanted, I was trying to make like the neophytes work and the, the bikes work. But because of uh, the secondaries, the way they were right now, like the while we stand, I always I was the guy that did the triple patriarch. And my bikes and my neophyte squads, in order to make them effective, were more expensive than that. So kind of bouncing between the two, of which I thought was better. And because of what the meta we were talking about, Dennis was saying, with the, the Tau out there and all the meta we were yeah. dropped into, I couldn't play that kind of a list. I had to go for points. So it was more of a patriarch while we stand R and D stranglehold build. Mm. Now with our secondaries being changed to better be better for hordes and better for our crossfire, it actually feeds into the shooting style that we were built to do. In my opinion, I can now do that with the hordes of the, like I don't even use rock riders anymore. It's just all neophytes and bikes and characters, obviously because <laughs> characters. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's, uh, cool. that's that's where I feel it is now. It's quite interesting. Sure. You, it's quite interesting you say that because I think uh, I seem to remember back when I was doing the review, one of the things. I clued onto was that the fact that they pretty much not enhanced the melee capabilities of the army in, in any way from 8th to 9th, but they had really jacked up the shooting elements to try and make it feel more well-rounded. Because last edition, you just didn't take a gun. Maybe, yeah. you, may, maybe you, you had it. flamers. You had exactly. Flamers. That's true. Exactly. You, did, you, you, you had, had a flamer block. Yeah, you had hand flamers, and then you just had rock uh, saws and not drills. not true, because we had the... Um the triple... We had the, the bladed cog where you would run like six squads of ten with double mining laser. Yep. Um, that like Nick played at LGT twenty eighteen. But like, then... there was definitely still a lot of sh- a lot of shooting going into previous books. Yeah, but when because um, it solved like plane problems. But when you think back to lists that that dominated the archetypes at the time, you think you think thick city. So uh, muscle, muscle beach. Sorry, you think like I, I remember playing you know top tables against six Acro Bombs and stuff, stuff of stuff of that ilk. Um, but then Eric did, did uh, I think he came a second or a third at a CanCon playing Mining Laser Spam Neos, and it's funny that he's come back to that like almost three years later. And yeah, well, we also done. had the um, the Triple Vulture list for GSC for a long time. Oh, that so was- kind of stored up that shooting <laughs> aspect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. And also there was the Ridge Runner list, the nine Ridge Runners that yep. I, played in, uh-huh. I played against at Charity Hammer in 20 freaking 20. That was a long time ago january 2020 seems like a different age different world but anyway jumping in for those who haven't joined us for a retrospective before we pretty much run through the sections of the book like the detachment abilities the wall of traits etc etc from a top level we talk about what has been good and bad in each section has this section of the book been a strength or a weakness for the army and of course i get some amazing players on to, to talk me through it we're going to be starting this review for anybody or this retrospective review at page 54 for anyone following along at home this is the detachment abilities dustin is there anything even good here or is all kind of garbage and restrictive ga- trash the detachment abilities themselves i mean i obviously i think a lot of uh, gsu players have tested like brood brothers and uh adding in some guard to give some, usually some out of line of sight shooting maybe some lima rust like commanders but usually because well now that we're relying a lot more on our crossfire and for points and in my, in my opinion as anyway because you don't get those kind of benefits on the brood brothers squad i i usually don't bring them anymore because mm. they find there's actually better things to put points into in the actual genes of the codex but mind you when it first came out there was definitely some juice you could bring in there when before line of sight got uh like got, got hit and even now it's fine but before we got hit with like the the cover and whatnot with you could use manticores you could even use some basilisks or maybe some mortar squads and it would kind of give you a little bit of flavor to get to things that you might not have been able to get to at range before but because people were playing twisted helix a lot of the time that wouldn't usually be a problem because geniuses could run through anything and just hmm. get there anyway so That's it doesn't really matter um, now obviously there's something that i always bothered me 
was we are limited to one character of each type to our 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 detachments. That drives me nuts. Like I get the fluff of why, but it drives me nuts. <laughs> I don't understand. It does help with the elite slots a little bit because we get so the main things you get here. Um, you only get one of each um, one of each character per slot. So basically, all of our characters are unique on a detachment level. So like yeah. tower commanders, knife tyrants, but also um, for each HQ you've got, you could basically take another thing. Uh, another character without taking a slot so you can get a lot of characters into gsc's if you want yeah. it leans into assassination a lot but you can get um elite slots can be quite taxed in like the melee focused gsc builds and getting an extra couple of those can be really handy i always thought it was frustrating i understand like i mean uh space marine player the captains and lieutenants are the things that are capped but i don't understand why all of them should be like this this is this always, always bothered me i understood like a page yeah, pa- run three calibers yeah i oh, mean i, p- I, I did i did for yeah. a long time <laughs> Back, three back, detachments. Before, back before the the was it the Nakamon or Nephilim uh, book that came in and made you want to take a single detachments again. Um, like a triple Kalimov, I thought was actually just legit. Uh, I thought it was actually quite powerful. Really frustrating as well, especially on team team lists because it really changed up a lot of the matchups. Uh, but yeah, I always frustrated me. I always assumed that it should just be maybe Primus and Patriarch should be should be restricted. <sighs> But anyway, um, on on the whole, I think the detachment abilities are fine. They're, they're neither here nor there. They're maybe a little bit on too restrictive side for me. Uh, what about you, boys? Yeah, no, the they're, thing. they're nothing you're going to complain about, except yeah, yeah. So, sometimes you really just don't want to pay two CP for a second of a character. Uh, it's it's often the second one you want. Like I really want two Calamorphs, three yeah. like the detachment stretches a pain there. It's too much, or like two Patriarchs. Um, but like I get it, I get why Patriarchs are always going to be one per detachment, so that's fine. That that the, the Patriarch definitely makes sense. I mean, to be honest, I think it would be fine if you just like the free detachments you get could be a character you already have. Like, oh, actually, the, the most funny thing about it, I don't like this is that we can't buy war traits on our non uh, non history characters. Uh, yeah, I don't yeah, love yeah. that. Um, yeah, that's true. It makes it really awkward because I would there are so many war traits relatively great on like a Locus or a Kelamorph that you mm. just can't have. Exactly right. Um, moving down to the cults, not the builder bear stuff. We're going to let do that its own one because it's worth it's worth mentioning on its own. But on release, um, there were some very powerful like build you know cults. There was cult of the four armed emperor and twisted helix come to mind as good builds. Even there was even pauper princes and um, was it clog or claw? I can't remember. Actually, there was like legit like four different flavors. Well, Rusty claw showed up a little bit. That's the yeah. one you advanced to shoot. Yeah. Yep. Um, Tell us your experience with these boys. Um, who started first last time? We'll start with Inez and then go to Dustin. Sure. So I have only ever actually played two cults out of this codex. So <laughs> yep. uh, I am very, when it comes to codex, I'm very fair weather with my fandom. I've played like two to- two, two things out of it. I pick what I like and I stick with it. Um, but the, So Twisted Helix is like sort of the first one that comes to mind, which is the, uh, the most melee focused cult, I suppose, uh, which is you get basically plus one strength, plus one, plus two yeah plus one inch to your movement and then um you can only be wounded on three plots so uh you get many shreds human uh, and then it has access to a terrible stratagem a war trait that gives you plus one damage a relic that is kind of relevant that gives you access to some of the biofigures plus on a character uh it's good on a patriarch for increasing like a bit of toughness you can get like a five of fill of pain and exploding yeah. six and things like that it's it's not usually worth the relic slot especially in nephilim and then the psychic power which is uh sixes to hit auto wound which is incredibly powerful and what probably between the, you're running it for the creed and the psychic power, and then everything yeah. else basically doesn't matter. Um, six to all wound is just a massive changer on when you're striking with stuff that's like strength five and strength six, which is usually where you get capped at for GSC. Yep. What was the other one you you'd run? Uh, that's a myriad cult. So we'll talk about that one. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought you <laughs> meant you'd, you'd, only I, ever played two things. Yeah. This. <laughs> I thought you meant you'd run two of the the specific cults. Anyway, Dustin, what's your experience? Well, I can cover all of them. I have definitely tested all of them extensively. I, just I, uh, you're just a bit of a hoe for the crazy. A bit of a hoe for the crazy. Yeah. I am definitely a bit of a hoe. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> 
when, I, when my codex comes out, I like to. I, even if it look, I look at it I'm like, no, nah, this is this is garbage. I will still play the hell out of it to make sure it actually is garbage. Because there's a couple of times that I have played something like, oh, this is this is actually good. But so the Cult of the Foreign Emperor was one of the. I think it was actually one of the ones that felt a bit better, just because at the time the CP was really scarce. It had uh, the most ways to get your CP back, making uh, making something free, and had just the innate charge rerolls for your deep striking. So now you're coming in eight inches and rerolling your charge without costing CP. So it just it felt better when I was bringing melee heavy that is also heavy in CP lists. But it just did, it fell short in terms of. Okay, I gotta say that, power. That's the only real thing this one has going for. Yes, it had uh, an absolutely so amazing power. Yeah, it is an amazing power. It's the one worth. Uh, yeah, subtract three from move characteristics, have advanced rolls, and subtract two from charges. Like yeah. that is, it was just, it was amazing. Val- Challenge value of seven. Like. Doable, but not easy. It, yeah. it, there's a lot of ways to get like possible to cast on a reroll, but there are better powers to do them on. Uh, you kind of one one thing you kind of notice as we go through this, a lot of this stuff is that a lot of the ones that don't improve your damage output tend to be kind of naff because GSE, outside of a few specific shooting stratagems, don't have a lot of ways to spike their damage output. If you really need something dead, you only really have shooting as an option for sinking resources besides just activations into it. Yeah, uh, and all of the cult traits that don't give you a way to make your units baseline do more damage tend to be weaker in this codex I've found. Uh, and I think that's part of the reason why is because you're not getting ways to just increase your damage output with stratagems because you don't have a reroll hits in combat, reroll the wounds in combat stratagem you can just throw out on most units. Unlike, say, a uh, Votan that has, like, four. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but Which then is we... kind of why I went away from the forum never, just because they had a lot of things to make them free or, like, save your CP, but because it didn't have enough stuff to use it on, it was kind of like, all right, well... I don't need to be here kind of thing. Yeah, you cup overflow with and you don't want to drink it. Um, yeah. But even then, we found there were some niche builds. I mean, the first kind of variants of the Neophyte build I saw were the Pauper Princes because they, literally just because they had yep. one relic for the five-up uh, invulnerable yep. save bubble. But and so we saw that. We saw people making skew builds just for single relics of cults, of creeds, sorry. And um, it was quite interesting to see. But let's move on because I, on the whole, think these are a pass but not a win. Yeah, I, mean, I, will, specifically I will say is cool. Yeah, yeah, it, but uh, was cool. I, I will say that the hive cult does have some play if you bring like a forces of the hive mind list because then you can bring flamer squads that can do your actions and still flame when they come in, but they don't get crossfire, yeah. so it's kind of yeah. But that's what that's yeah. what you could do. Um, just that, just to touch on the other ones that are not seen as much play, play the cult has seen some experimentation with like big aberrant lists mm-hmm. that kind of died with Nephilim, um, being able to give like a five of invulnerable save and then a five of filled paper from Biophagus to aberrants, which are nearly tough as five minus one damage. Saw some experimentation in play, especially in teams, but it's just kind of not quite good enough. Aberrants just don't quite have the output. Uh, Rusted Claw is, yeah, mentioned mostly for forces. And then Popper Princess has the five invulnerable save bubble, which is very powerful. It's, um, yeah, it's like. But hitting all, on five sucks. <laughs> it's like all the base uh, creeds had a niche build, which was kind of cool. Which makes me think yeah. this is actually a quite a successful section of the book. Because, um, you I mean, you look at Sisters and you're like, well, there's there's two. And one of these is a, a 10% of the time, one of these is a 90% of the time. And there we go. Yeah, exactly. uh, I could see a meta where almost all of these are within the top three of the book. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, you could see all of them having, I think, probably Paul Call of the Four Emperor is the furthest away from that where it really, really needed there to be better stratagems rather yep. than a better meta for it. Yep. But the other ones could all, like, a couple points changes, a couple of units, and a couple of meta swaps. I could see Pop Princess being the best way to go, or I could see Rocks and Claw being the best way to go. Awesome. So we, that's pretty good. Yeah, we all seem to think this is pretty good. Okay, time to talk about what I think, and I think you guys agree, is the best the best section of this <laughs> book. Dustin, 
Take it away. Give us the TLDR. How does this work? Why is it so good? Oh, my God. Okay, so the Myriad Cult. This is our uh, custom cult build for any, whatever you call it for your chapters. Whatever, whatever the hell you want to call it. For us, it's our cult. So we actually have the most unique way to build this. Usually you'll see them, the, all the custom ones. You like have two that you can pick, and some of them are worth, some of them take up two slots kind of thing. This one is actually built the best way, as it is you get four points to spend, and there are, let me count here, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 different things you can buy with those points. And up to four points can be spent to give you basically that many different chapter taxes. As I mentioned at the beginning of this podcast, they are definitely not appropriately pointed, but it is still the best way that that is custom built in this uh, this game right now. It is absolutely I fantastic. Mean, the only other... I really like the map the Montau, and then this is this is the best one. But map, maps on Tau is second. Uh, so Which I, on Tau? In, in reference... Uh, you have to like pick two adjacent battles, like sectors. Yeah. Of the oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. I think it's corny, but I like it. That system is it's pretty corny, cool. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> as for as for the build their own um, section being the dominant way to play the game, there's only really well, there was three that have existed in Ninth Edition. That being Hail of Doom for Asuriani, that and that being Necrons with expansions and conquerors. I say I and there's two things. Um, I think I think Technomancers and almost all Space Marines. Uh, with um, like the board heroes Robin to Rage, that most a lot of Marines armies use. Um, Pathetic. Never heard of you. Dark Angels, <laughs> all, pure Dark Angels all the way, pure Blood Angels all the way. I think those have been the definitive. Well, I think they've been the definitive um, things for, and everybody else has. Like you said, Ines has to had to go um, into those um, build your own varieties. But the two ones that have dominated the the codexes that they've been attached to is that was pretty much what I was referring to. And you're actually correct. I did completely forget about Born Heroes and Whirlwind to Rage. Um, I suppose that has been the dominant way to play Space Wolves for sure, right? And Space Wolves and Iron Hands. And Iron yeah. Hands, exactly right. And they, they have had their, their days in the sun. But yeah, Necrons 100% has gone the journey with that, but I think that says more about the weakness of the Necron book more than it says about everything else. Um, but the second one, Hail of Doom, and I think, was that just a flash in the pan because Hail of Doom was so OP, the same as Dark Technomancers well, was? Got into the ground, right? Uh, yeah, so, it did. Um, so yeah, I think Hail of Doom and Dark Technomancers were enough to warp the books around them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but yeah, I think this, those are the two that most stand out. Uh, compared to this one, yeah, yeah, that's that's what pretty much what I was, I was going for. Um, but this does it in a, such a different way that there was no kind of you'd have to almost completely rework this section to rebalance it, and that would pro- yeah. probably kill the faction. Just to uh, put it out there. It would do a lot of damage to it. That's uh, for sure. It would hurt it quite a lot. Uh, but how? Yeah, sorry. What is the predominant? Be playing uh, it. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Unpack the predominant builds here that we're starting to see that's coalesced over the last kind of three months, and so why, the why one is it so good? Everyone, the one everyone started with to go first was Impassioned and um, Industrial Affinity. Yeah. Impassioned being plus yeah. one to hit on the charge, uh, and Industrial Affinity being ignore ballistic skill, weapon skill, and hit modifiers on industrial weapons, which is basically every heavy heavy weapon in the book and a bunch and all the heavy melee weapons, all the good melee weapons, uh, yeah. as well as like grenades. Yeah. Um, there's a few things that aren't like grenade launchers, flamers, like the, the kind of form more to the special weapons category and the Ridge Runners missiles, weirdly. Um, yeah. But other than that, broadly, it's ignore hit modifiers. Uh, you can choose to ignore them or not, so you can take your crossfire still and ignore any, you know, Calexis, whatever you want. Uh, so you're getting physically hitting on fours, army wide, and then crossfire takes you to threes on almost all those weapons. And then with Impassioned, um, you then go back to twos in melee specifically. Um, so this was really good with stuff like the heavy rock car and the heavy rock drill uh we moved off of saws which were the predominant eighth edition uh so cars are 
like AP4 damage 3, but manageable to hit. Impassioned ignores, uh, Industrial Affinity ignores that. Impassioned puts you to 2s. And then the Rock Car, which is just hits on 2s with uh, Impassioned, and then you ignore any negative modifiers, um, which are which is uh, AP4 damage 1 on a 6 to hit, you do 2 more wins. That was kind of like the other melee build to Twisted Helix at the start. You kind of saw a lot of Twisted Helix and a lot of Industrial Affinity. And the Industrial Affinity build could kind of move a little more into stuff like Mining Lizard, Rock Grinders, a bit more support from its neophytes, whereas the Twisted Helix just went a lot more into the combat stuff. Yep. Um, and those are kind of like the two at the start. The most recent one uh, is the War Convoy, Accustomed to Toil, and uh, Industrial Affinity combination. Uh, and then your kind of your choice of the third slot, but usually called that killer, or the fourth slot, which usually called that killers. Um, so Accustomed to Toil is part of the Twisted Killers benefit, so it's uh, only be wounded on three plus. War Convoy is a six of Feel No Pain for bikers and vehicles. And then Cold Eye Killers is a six of Wound in Combat, gives you an additional AP. It's kind of like a slot filler. You're not yeah. running a cycle in this list, so it's like that or plus one to pilot consolidation. I've, that one, you, so Cold Eye Killers usually comes up a little more. So unless you have a cycle in your list, then you take the synaptic resonance. Yeah, if you have a cycle, you take synaptic. I'm personally a fan. Of my, for my build, it would be the extra piling and consolidate, just because I like to steal objectives easier, neo bricks and stuff like that. But I think it's totally as much as much as those. So just to put it in perspective, guys, um, those are four very good buffs. We talked about Space Marines. Space Marines get two of those, essentially, of equivalent buffs. Those are four. Space Marines can take Baby Transhuman as one of their traits, which is way worse on a Toughness 4 model than as a Toughness 3 model. So good on a Toughness 3 model. Um, chassis. Uh, and we get the Space Marines get two of those. Necrons get two of those, albeit Necrons, I think the two that they get are possibly as good or better than these. Uh, Obsec army-wide, double Obsec is mwah, chef's kiss still. But uh, yeah, these things hold up. They hold up against, against just about all other comparisons, and the fact you get double everybody else's really just makes this the only place to go to, to really build the power, right? Yeah, um, it kind of it doesn't feel as bad in that sense because Cold Eye Killers or your third one is like, it's a fine, like I would yeah. say it's probably weaker than most of the other options that you're taking, and War Convoy only goes on some units, so I, I really feel like if you wanted to, you could probably bundle in War Convoy and a custom toy and be like, everything gets that, and mm. then you get the feel of pain. Like, I don't think that would be beyond the pale for, like, another chapters, for, like, another army's yeah, half of one. Yep. So I don't think it's, like, too far beyond. Industrial Affinity just probably shouldn't be one point. It should probably be <laughs> two or three. Yeah. Um... But honestly, I, yeah, it, it's great. Uh, it definitely helps the book out a lot. And when we get on to like, talking about lists and units specifically, um, that combination is by far doing the best of anything in the Gene Circle Codex right now. Uh, and it's not close. No, it's not. So that that is an absolute win for me, right, boys? And everybody, I think we just, there's no disagreement there. So we can pretty much okay. move on. Dustin, wax lyrical about this stratagem section. Is it is it good? Is it bad? What has been working? And what are your go-to strats, if any? So we have some interesting strats in here, but I'll, uh, I will say a lot of the benefit, like our melee stuff, like we have some charge into into an area terrain, you turn off Overwatch and ignore any negatives to move in that, which was really nice for when we're coming out of Deep Strike, or even when we just need to make some charges into some bad terrain. If you're if your Tau sitting in area terrain, we can stop your free Overwatch, which is always great. It's like, we have some really good ones for that, but usually I think what we're leading into right now is, I think what, what uh, it was leading to earlier was the plus one of damage with your industrial weapons, the, the overloading your fuel cells, which is plus one of damage for range and plus one strength in close combat with your your other ones, which is a little it's a little weird. I don't think I've, I haven't used it too much because we're already like strength eight, negative four with most of our big weapons. So, and it's also something that because uh, when you roll a one to hit, will take a mortal wound. Now it doesn't say it has to be on the guy that does it. You ever done this to uh, only put like four dudes in the front, kill all your heavy weapons, kill all the guys that were in combat, and then just have your heavy weapons behind them, kill and kill yourself <laughs> out of combat. Uh, I've yep. never successfully pulled it off, but I've tried really hard a couple of times. <laughs> I end up like not rolling any ones and being really no, upset. It, it's actually you. 
you could do it with uh, if you have one numpty in the front, and then you can fit three have the heavy weapons within half an inch of him without being in combat usually, and then you can just kill that one guy and you're out of combat. <laughs> those are those are just little tricks, but yeah, that yeah. that stride is actually I use that more than I, I like every turn if I'm fighting. I feel like yeah, that's like a I've, four yeah, or five bread, bread and butter. Yeah, minimum. That is, like it, it is happening all the time. One that I started using a little bit more. I actually started using dig them out too, which is another one CP strat to basically count as exposed with the uh, industrial weapons with within twelve inches. That was I, I use that a, a more often too. And one thing I've been using that uh, I think people need to use more, but it's a lot harder to use now, is the two CP strat. Through you cannot be targeted with shooting unless you're yeah. the closest eligible target. Now use that strat bunch. That strat is great. Yeah, it is amazing, especially with the list with like the horde list because it's the closest eligible. So it's not like uh, how some of the old ones used to work, where it's just can't shoot unless you're closest, and if you hide something closer to them, you can yeah. you can't shoot them. Doesn't work that way, so it have to be the yeah. closest. But the when there's thirty bikes between you, and your yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you can pretty much keep uh, keep those uh, objectives safe wherever you need to be. If you need to, those ones. Yeah, uh, that's that, yeah, that's that's I'll another, fantastic. another few that I think are super interesting yeah. and like valuable in the context of like any list. So rapid advance is one that lets you yep. automatically advance a unit of gene sealers, bikes, or a vehicle flat six. Uh, especially with the pre-game of Gene Sealers, this gives you just an unparalleled degree of threat range on turn one, uh, something that makes your opponents basically have to respect from your entire deployment zone. Uh, when we come to talking about blips and Gene Sealers, we'll get into why that's so powerful. Um, I really, really enjoy the 6 State Auto Wound one. Um, it's just a great way to get a lot of mileage out of stuff like shotguns, and um, that's another shooting stratagem. Um, and then sending units back into reserve is something to always be aware that you have access to. Uh, being able to spend one CP to put, take a unit off the board is without six, uh, and put them back in reserve is great. The fact that you can use it after you fight in combat as well, even better. <laughs> the, it's funnily yeah. enough, the one that has given me the most pains is none of the janky crazy one. It's just primed explosive has been the one that's caused me the most headaches. Just yeah. like three bikes sidle up to a unit that I'm like, ha, they don't have any good profiles. And then they're like one CP auto six on the demolition charge. Here's I'm like, oh, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Uh, whips a Lehman Ross out of his pocket, chucks it at you. It's yeah. great. I love that. It's, it's, remember, too, we can we can use uh, the Demo Church in close combat. Now, close obviously, combat. Auto 6 is in close combat, but it, uh, it, could, it could be a little surprise bomb, too. Actually, another one that I use that, that the people need to keep an eye out, too, is the one with Shadows. Without, you're bringing a lot of uh, infantry as well, because it's the plus one to save and cover. Now, it says plus one to save if you're receiving the benefits of cover. Which means even if you're in dense, getting the benefit of negative one to hit, yep. you still get plus one to your save. Correct. Yep. It doesn't say cover. So Honestly, this stratagem suite is just so good. You've got advance yeah. and charge for acolytes and for acolytes and metamorphs yep. for one CP. Super powerful, especially coming out of things like a truck. You've got the um Covering fire. Covering fire is another great one. Yeah, covering fire is insane. It's I think it's the only way in the game to just like turn off heroic interventions like on any unit. Yeah. Uh, with nothing, you don't have to do anything to get it. You just have to have a crossword to one of them, uh, which are very easy to apply in the right circumstances. Um, turning off rogue interventions is insanely powerful with an army that has as much uh, deep strike and mobility with its obsec as Gene Circle do. It was a godsend uh, when that uh, shield captain. Or the, yeah. or oh, the guy was. Oh my yeah. god, it was, it was and, so and amazing. Always, <laughs> always six inch uh, intervened Trader Flores when he was obsec. Yeah. So yeah, no man, I got to have a plan for that. <laughs> It's, it's a very rare thing to have as well. I, I can't think of another way to turn off heroic intervention. There, there are ways to do it, but they're often like based on leadership roll-offs oh, of course. or yeah, yeah, yeah. psychic powers and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. There are a few. They're not super common, and they're not usually that playable. Um, oh, there's also Fight Last for the Crossfire Token, which yes. is a separate strategy for the heroic intervention one. Um, so you can use it. You can like shut down one unit uh, so they can't intervene, make the one fight last, guaranteed gang up on it. That was the only way to beat Custodes when Custodes launched, was to just absolutely murder them with like four squads at once on a squad of bikes. 
Um, yeah, exactly right. Um, funnily enough, though, um, when talking about the stratagems, GSC, I find uh, when the plan's going well, you end the game with more CP than you started. Yeah, is that a fair statement? <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's only when the shit. It's only when the, the yeah the proverbials yeah. against the wall that you kind of end up bottoming out. Otherwise, you're just like, huh. I started with three and I've ended with five. This was kind of useless. Yeah, it's kind of useless. one of those where it's like you use the stratagems when you need to resolve a problem. Mm-hmm. If you're not having any problems, you don't have to resolve anything. Yeah, if and then like, you just start being like, I guess I'll do this one. I yeah. guess I'll fire my telemorph on death. I guess yeah. I'll advance and charge to steal some primary. And just, yeah, exactly. You know, like, there's a lot of ways to like punch your opponent down further mm-hmm. uh, once you're ahead with GSE, but you kind of don't need to. It, uh, and oh, you're yeah. like, well, I'll save them in case I really need the next turn. Is it, it's don't a, get me wrong. If we wanted to spend, spend CP, we could spend it. it. Yeah. Like, we have CP we could use. I'll start booby-trapping things. Exactly. Yeah, booby-trap. I've used that before. It's actually great. <laughs> it's coming in. It's fun. It's um, great. deal with Abaddon in the Codex. So, <laughs> what's the verdict overall, boys? I think it's a pass. I don't think it's a win. I don't think it's especially crazy spicy. Like, there's no there's no build-around stratagems. They're all just kind of niche. This is good um, when you when you can make va- when you can uh, get value out of fuel it. Cells is, overload fuel cells is build around and primed explosive oh, yeah. and overload fuel cells is the reason you run as many damage charges as you do. Yeah. Um, and I think that's kind of key to what the current build is running and doing well. Is those items wouldn't exist. I think there's a much lower ceiling on it. Um, one th- the only thing I'll say is that if you've noticed us going through that, we've not mentioned a single stratagem that's like in the fight phase make yeah. your unit do more. The yeah. only one that like really exists that isn't the uh, plus one strength one is reroll wounds for rock grinders in combat against monsters and vehicles, which is great. Don't get me wrong, fantastic stratagem, but it's very situational. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really wish there was just something here for like plus one attack on core unit or something like that. Yeah, um, just yeah. a way to get damage when you really need something dead. Like you otherwise, s- you just roll in face people. Yeah, like you said, they're a bit more on the reactive and niche side than the ice. Like I said at the start, slap down the CP and make something happen. Like just, just. Like 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 um, Custodes was especially when on their on their release and like Votan kind of is now slap down the CP and then the thing you want to make happen you've just spent CP and it's just going to happen now it's not even up for a debate unless there's crazy aberrations of dice yeah exactly anyway. you can make you can make yourself more lean like with like fight last control and things like that that's how you do it but you still have to be able to deliver the resources to that place um, you can't really trade you're what you're doing with that is more preventing your opponent trading their resources with you back. Uh, but you don't have a lot of ways to proactively trade CP as a resource. You can prevent your opponent from doing it to give you the opportunity to do mm-hmm. more, but that's not really the same thing as being like, once you do it, all hits and wounds. Exactly right. Uh, yeah. But all right, moving on to the proficient planning. This is the pay your extra point, guess your, get your you know option from the dollar menu <sighs> variety. <laughs> I was really excited about this when it came out, and it has not held the water I thought it would. In fact, I see... Well, does Eric... Does, uh, do you boys in your top lists... Maybe you take one or two from this. Maybe uh, I take a bunch for sure. One, yeah. two, three. I think I take. I think I take four. Oh, four fantastic. Five in my oh, current list. I'm just wrong. All right, Dustin. So, so the, take the, it away. three of them are trash and like just don't see play. A couple of them are situational and very combat focused, and then um, there are like four that are basically in every list. Yeah, I just. Uh, I, yeah, I, 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 I use five. Maybe I use five as well. Maybe yeah, I just yeah, don't yeah, notice don't them because I just assume they're like generic things like wall of traits oh, and crap. That other people just yeah, no, get. I, I, have, I have five. Yeah. Nice. All right. Well, yeah, uh, you don't run any moral traits in there the rest of the moment, yeah. so that might be why. I just assume <laughs> it's just other stuff, and it turns out it's all from the dollar menu. Dustin, take away the call. Tell us about the ones that are working for people and what you like about this section. Uh, I think the well, I like whether the section is the fact that it doesn't cost CPs so was another big 
saves your CP. The only thing it limits us because it's only on one squad now, so we can't do it on anything. Like, it's only one. It's usually turn. only once. Like it's the first yeah, time it's usually only once, or the exactly, first time yeah. they come in from reserve. Yeah, exactly. Which is it's fine because some of these things are really good. But lying in wait is by far the one that I will never leave home without. It is so so freaking useful that's the one that when you deep strike for the first time or sorry ambush for the first time you can do it just outside of three inches instead of just outside of six and you can't charge but i mean you're putting this on either a small a small acolyte squad to do r&d you're doing it on a flamer squad or doing it on a neophyte squad to steal a bunch of objectives and shoot so it is it is uh 100 percent in every single list i go to yeah, another one's 20 points your list starts with this you can't yeah it's, it starts with that Every and single list. The psychological effect of this one uh, can't be understated. As, no, just exactly. making people, uh, instead of having one guy on an objective holding it for obsec and trailing off to, to do a bunch of other stuff, get some shots, do some things, they have to put all five models on the objective to block out the three-inch deep strike, and they have to do that on every objective that they actually want to score primary on. I Otherwise, think everybody who's played against GS, a company GSC has had that one turn where a squad of 20 acolytes snakes across four of their objectives and, and breaking three away, uh-huh. and you're just like, ah. Oh, <laughs> and you know what happens then? You turn around all the boys who were pushing forward onto the home objectives, turn them around, only to kill half the neophytes. Yeah, <laughs> uh, because just just stuff just goes wrong, and you lose the game. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah and then they, nobody and then everybody overcompensates and massively packs their objectives, and you're like, "This is good for me too." Thank exa- you. Exactly right. And then they go they go too far the other way. The lack of band effect, and they get hurt both ways of it. So I think it's, I think this one's really good. I was all I was a meme fan of Excavate though personally when I first did this one. I was like, "I think Excavate to Coventry." It's hilarious. It's tell it's us why. Good. Tell tell us why you like it. So excavate is after deployment. So after the um, like after you finish putting all your units to the board, you get to if your unit is underground that has this upgrade, pick a piece of terrain and uh, it just doesn't loses all its basically all of its keywords. So it loses uh, light cover, defensible and inspiring, and gains difficult ground. You, um, the you, fact it doesn't strip dense is kind of sad. That's the one the one thing I wish it did, but. On a lot of boards, so like GW open terrain or the UKTC terrain, where you have those big like nine by nine, ten by ten plates, um, which are terrain, and people love putting their entire army in it. Just saying that you're two inches off your movement for going through it, and you're not getting any cover on it now. GSC generally don't struggle too much with cover as is because of crossfire mechanics, um, but you, it is something that can come up. Being able to just say no for twenty points definitely has its value. I don't think it's something you need in every list, but it's something you should definitely, you can definitely consider if you've got twenty points that you think. Might not have a better home. I love this thing. In the world of like, in the, uh, so w- so when when do you reveal this? Before the battle. So uh, if this unit is set up in underground, it can excavate. If it does so, it resolve in the pre-battle ability. So this is it de- before deploy before deployment or after deployment? It's during the resolve pre-battle abilities. So it's basically uh, like after when you're doing before yeah. the roll off. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. So, oh, you put your 10 Terminators, Terminators with, on that with, Abaddon, <laughs> with Abaddon. Oh, oh you put 20 Scarab Recall Terminators in that, in that. Oh, my boy, my man. I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to unterrain, unterrain this, this, this part of the table. <laughs> I, I told my opponent about this pregame and then he set up his, um, Psyker so that he could advance onto it. And then I made it so that it wasn't possible. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> into I, what range? I'm like, no, man, you can just wait a turn for that. The, the thing I love the most about this is uh, there's a meme dream in my head, right? There is a meme. I'm just going to say about it now because I think it's hilarious. I don't think, I'm not sure how many death strikes you get in a list now, but the idea of making someone's in half of their army minus two to move and then <laughs> having three death strike markers just being like, scramble, <laughs> baby. I want to see you scramble for me. <laughs> 
<laughs> and he's just constantly moving these little pucks of Death Strike marks around as I try to scramble out of this Neg 2 move. And just like, if it's Votan, they can't get out. They can't. It's, yeah. They're too um, slow. <laughs> step step 13, resolve pre-battle abilities. Votan are immune to difficult terrain. Balls. Well, there goes that idea. <laughs> well, they're still slow. You'll still get them. It's fine. Uh, this is fine. Uh, what other options to the dollar menu make the cut? So my personal favorite is From Every Angle. Uh, I don't think it's necessarily the strongest one, but it's one that I would never leave home without. Uh, so it's a 10-point upgrade that when your unit, um, start the first battle round, uh, after you get to basically move it to strat reserve. Um, the, the key thing with this is, and then it treats the turn as one higher, so it can come in on turn one if it wants to. The most important thing with this is that it could give you an empty blip, which is not something you can get in any other way in this codex. Uh, and you can just have a blip that you can just use to block space uh, and your opponent can't do anything about it. And if you go first, you can use it for a very, very aggressive pregame staging move. Uh, and if you don't go first, you committed nothing for it. Uh, I would never leave one without this on like a Sanctus. I've been running on a score of 20 Neophytes recently because having something that can come in turn one to solve a problem that's pushing me um, is very useful. But I also don't want them on the board or I want flexibility on where they are. Um, I, I love this for 10 points. I think it's you should just take it in ev- almost every list. Uh, I think you'd have to have a very good reason not to. Nice. Yeah. Dustin, anything I, you'd add? Every list. Yeah. No, it, it, he was saying the exact same thing that I use it for. I, I'll use it for either... Sometimes I'll use it for like a Kalamorph, a Sanctus. I'll use it, if I, I use it for a Kalamorph, I had multiple. I, or a Sanctus, but I've started using it on Neophytes as well, just to have a 20-man squad to say, okay, I am now in range of this squad that I wanted to shoot at, so here we go. doesn't matter. And they, they, like uh, it is said, you commit nothing to do it. And if you go first, it's still on the board. And you can use it aggressively, or you can just take it off and bring it on further up anyway because it's first turn. It's it's freaking it's amazing. I love it. I'm a big fan. I think it's really cool. So dollar menu, absolute win. Absolute oh, yeah. win. Yep. Yeah. There's also some, there's some cool stuff in here. Um, the pregame move gene sealers. We'll talk. We'll talk about when we talk about gene sealers because it basically only exists there. Um, our well, I, I actually you... take it. I take it on the uh, on neophytes now as well on my all neophyte list because it's. If you again, if you go first, you have an extra six inches to get uh, more threat range. If you yeah, need to, or on neo fights, you can put them back in the deep strikes, and they have another deep strike threat for committing nothing. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, I don't think I've left home without gene stars in a while either. But yeah, if you're if you have gene stars, you put it on these guys. Like 100%. when we talk when we talk about gene stars, we'll talk about why what all the things you can do with it. Uh, our time is nigh. It's a plus one attack once per game when you the first time you charge. Uh, you've got an uh, exacting planner, which is one of the few ways to give non core units rerolls. Um, it's like you get a second use of your primus. Uh, and then a trap sprung gives you the three to six charge, and perfect ambush is another way to trigger exposed. Um, so there's some really powerful links in here. I think the, the five I'm using just to go through it were lying in wait, perfect ambush from every angle, uh, excavate, and they came from below, uh, which I'm assuming are the five you were using. How many? Ex- the exact same five that I'm using. How many points does that add up to? Like that sounds like almost 100 points because they're 15, uh, or 15 and 20, 20 points. 10, 20, 15, 15, 20 15, points. 35, 45, 60, 80. Okay, so it, it's not too dissimilar from how yeah, they much... Came from, they came from below and from every angle above 10. So. Yeah, that's not too dissimilar from how many a Space Marine army would spend. If you go Chapter Master and a Super Apothecary, that's, 70, uh, that's 75 right yeah, there. Yeah, exactly. So that's, no, that's not overs. I was like, holy crap, you guys are spending 100 points on this thing? But no, that's actually that's actually fairly reasonable. Uh, all right, um, jumping down to the Warlord traits, my lads. Uh, yeah, cool. um, I, I I think we're done already. Let's move on. Let's move on. Let's move on. This is the weakest. I now think that we're the... paying CP for it, um, yeah, yeah, there's no uh, point in talking I about don't this. Th- do you even buy any of them? Do you even bother? Like, I, I mean, am probably I, adjutant if I could take it on a Kellermorph, man. Oh, oh, it, is, <laughs> it is a meme dream right there. Tell us the story. Yeah. How, what does it do? So, Proudly adjutant is uh, the standard when you're charged, you can, move, you can make a normal move up 
discs and just you can use this to embark which is funny and probably the best way to use it um but it's just you can't take your horror traits on gallimorphs because they're elites yep yeah yep. <sighs> that's how slippery he'd be because <laughs> he gets I, the have move done, after I have the... done it on patriarchs near goliath uh, at one point but because he gets um, to move after the deep strike as well so you can yes, you can do so much crap where you deep strike him in front of a like shoot something move in front of a unit that has to charge so they have to charge him then he bugs out so they can't make the charge and they can't charge the thing though yeah so much jank. so much jank yeah. it's just insane um, but you can't, you can't, Majesty, you can't do we it we have seen play uh yeah. it's possibly to power ranges it's quite good on the like on more specifically um and then like biomorph adaptation is pretty good on a prana patriarch if you want to run a patriarch which is possible attack and toughness um yeah they're, they're, like, they're, they're good ones it's just none of them are really worth none of them are yeah, I I was pretty non enamored with this, this section. I think if this is I think this is a fun. You'd probably take Alien Majesty on the Primus well, in the list that we're playing at the moment if we still had a free world trait. Yeah. Uh, but like, it's fine. Who cares? When when you compare this, but when you compare this to other people's Waller traits, where like legitimate, you will just have a Waller trait that gives core units ignores cover in a six inch aura and crap like that. These guys have nothing. Like there is not, there is no single like unanimous force multiplier coming out of this. There's not even a blanket. The closest one is the one just for gene stealers, and it's just for gene stealers, um, just for pure strains. So yeah, I I feel like this is a bunch of niche, eh, maybe bunch of maybes, pretty much. Yeah. Um, Focus of Adoration has a cute combination where you can bubble out the Primus's auras to uh, units across the board with a Nexus and give like any two core units on the board abilities that heroic intervene, um, but. That's about it. Uh, it's I have I have used that. I've tried that one a couple times in the current list, just so I can have my bikes. So people can't just go walk, go on an objective and steal, and I can heroic into them, double charge kind of thing. Heroic in bikes is pretty spice, actually. You're right. It, 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 can, it can do stuff. It's just I I haven't found the it CP be, is better. Yeah, the CP is better. The CP is better, and you almost never want to bubble stuff onto the bikes anyway because you want to bubble it onto the neophytes. Yeah, exactly. Um, so it just it just never it, you're outsmarting yourself. Like there's a lot of this codex is. Great for outsmarting your opponent. You can also outsmart yourself really easily. Oh, and yeah. Spending <laughs> CP on stuff like this pregame is how you do that. Yeah. Easy. All right. Jumping down. So uh, we're absolute with just a big swing and a miss on the Waller traits. Moving yeah, on big to mess. Big mess. the uh, Broodmind Discipline. Uh, Dustin, take it away. Broodmind Discipline. So there's a couple decent ones in here, obviously. The only ones that I'll talk about the ones that we would use in the current list you'll see right now. Obviously, Might from Beyond is probably the most popular, which is plus one attack. It is easier to cast than it used to be, but it's not plus one strength anymore. So it's kind of a trade off from what it used to be, which is it's, it's still very worthwhile for plus one attack. I often use uh, Psychic Stimulus as well, so it's the advanced charge or shoot, uh, advanced shoot with no penalty with the uh, salsa. Or the other thing is, too, is it's advanced shoot or fall back and shoot, which comes into play a lot when you're running Neophyte Blobs. That's why I've kind of tested using a Magus in that list that uh, you don't yeah. always see too. It's also worth noting that GSC have a 1CP stratagem that allows you to cast Blessings anywhere on the board, not just within, yeah. set, within exactly. their death set range, so you can fix a lot of your problems across the board with a Magus in the backfield. Yeah. Uh, there's also a Relic that lets you deny anywhere on the board, so a Magus can have a lot of utility from the backfield, but... Um, Open, but it's a lot of points and opens up you up to some nasty yeah. secondaries. Am I right in thinking that the Magus has dropped off a lot? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it has them? 
And, it's, and the thing is, too, like one of the one of the worst matchups that you would take a take a mega city is like the Thousand Suns, which, in my opinion, is one of our worst matchups. Which we'll talk about at the different different time. But the thing is, too, he, he does give uh, five pump uh, feel the pain to mortal wounds in the psychic phase too. So it's kind of like, ah, sure, you protect me a little bit, but is it worth it? Because, like you just said, like there are ways to buff it, be in the backfield, being very useful, but it costs you a lot. It'll cost you CP to do that. It costs you points to do that. And can you use it el- better elsewhere? Probably. <laughs> Probably. Yeah, totally. And sure. having access to a boar is more useful than you'd think in a lot of matchups. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the, the Magus is definitely used to be almost like if you're taking a Patriarch, you probably take a Magus as well. If you're not taking either, you probably don't take it. So you, if you're not yeah. taking one, you probably don't take the other. Yeah. Because yeah. uh, I don't want one Psyker for Psychic Interrogation. I really mm-hmm. want two. Yeah. Uh, so. Yeah, speaking so that, which, on that, like they have two decent mortal wound powers. So exactly, that's right. why it takes two two psychic two psychers to do a smite and one of the psychic power or psychic uh, mortal wound powers on each of them. So it gave us some psychic uh, psychic mortal wounds, a, fa- a phase that will do more damage. That I'll kind of. I'm going to be honest. I still don't know how mental onslaught works. I just tried every time I get my eyes closed. <laughs> uh, it's a big paragraph, and I'm not ready. Uh, mass hypnosis uh, is also uh, a minus one attack power and fight Dude. mass. It's, 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 these are got yep. such good access to fight last. It's great. Massive Gnosis is probably the best fight last psychic power in the game because it's also minus one attack. It's it's actually kind of nuts. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So because you just don't you don't have to use it for the the you don't have to use it for the fight last. You can just use it for the minus attack po- portion of it, and it's still just very doable. Yeah. I mean, However, so every Gnosis player on the earth's balls clench when they every roll time, it. Every time, because it's yeah. seven, <laughs> seven, right? It's, it's like, like man, I got the look. I got the the unwilling orb and a familiar. I'm gonna fail it. I'm gonna fail it. Well, because everybody made a huge deal about how Empress Children had like three sources of fight last. GSC has like three sources of fight last as well, but the archetype the has, with the archetype has moved away. Is GSC are so squishy that if you commit and you fail that power, you just lose the game. That's ex- the time. there is exactly yeah. right, and that's what we're gonna we're gonna talk about at the end. The Unfor- the, the utter unforgiving nature of playing GSC. And we're actually going to have some questions in the part two about is GSC the hardest army in the game to play? And if so, why is that? We're going to unpack that. Uh, but Brewmind Discipline is a win, but unfortunately, I don't think the uh, the psychers are particularly worth it at the moment. So the, the discipline's actually really good, but the models that take it, I, str- I struggle. See, I would take the Patriarch. He's just so expensive. It, that's like a, a fully decked out neophyte squad almost for his cost. So yeah, it's, the Patriarch's it's, like it's really hard. Thirty points more than I'm willing to pay for yeah. a character in this yeah. list. Mm. Uh, not that I think the character, the Patriarch, particularly needs to be thirty points cheaper, but no, just no, no. in order to be playable in this style yeah. of list, yeah, he's exactly. too much. But do you, are you guys um, see what I'm saying? Like the actual powers are just yeah. legit. I, I think oh, there's a there. good argument for every power here, except my except my control being. At least usable. Uh, I think Sound of Blast and Mental, Mental Onslaught are kind of being cute for cuteness's sake, uh, but in like a better with Abaddon and Catan and stuff like that, maybe you're, it's a lot more of a consideration. But Stimulus, Hypnosis, and Might from Beyond are, are, are like A, a to S tier powers just in any codex. Beautiful. All right. Uh, Dustin, kick us off with the relics, my dude. What are your thoughts on these and how they're holding up? So we have some good relics in here. Some of, like, Obviously, there are two in here right now that are auto includes so it kind of makes it hard to add or two and another one that uh, i'll usually toy with now i'll go to school over those are the worm tooth rounds if you're taking a calamorph you're taking worm tooth rounds yeah baby it, it is just it is so good it's so he's already he's already decent but now he's strength six negative three three damage with rolling more hits for every every hit like I, come plus on. one plus one to hit. yeah exploding twos yeah. is good did anybody know that who would have thought um, yeah uh, <laughs> statistics <laughs> say like what, come on. what does the stats check statistics say <laughs> it is um, yeah. now, what it does also contribute to is the utter 
gut-clenching feeling when your Calamorph rolls two ones to hit. Oh, my oh, God. God. The worst. It's like, I've just lost four hits because of that. Um, Dude. Yeah, so the Warp Two Rides specifically are six shots at minus three, or three shots at strike six, minus three, three damage. Um, and every time you hit, you get an additional shot. They are heavy weapons, but Crossfire mitigates a lot of that. Um, but yeah, they are the best relic in the Codex. Um, yeah. The second best, actually. What were Cranial. the other two auto types? Cranial inlay is the other one. Yeah. So again, you're taking an Exos, like you should be taking an Exos. That's the one that you just get free crossfire anywhere on the board. And then if you have cranial inlay, he's also going to give you uh, CP back on five plus whenever you're using a stratagem. And it is you get to use the, his strategic coordination ability twice, which is the bubbling across the board. So you usually it's the the Wi-Fi ability. Yeah, yes, the Wi-Fi. <laughs> the Wi-Fi. Yeah. Near the primates, it's like, okay, you two units, it's... I know we are nowhere near you and you can't see anything else, but you're rerolling ones to hit now. So, and what do you think? Terranus and Jesse have a unifying identity. It's Wi Fi. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, what was the. So, you said there was three possibles. What's, what's the third? What's the baby pick? The, the third one that I will I go back and forth on is the uh, Oppressor's Bane. Now, this is not uh, by any means uh, an auto include, it is just. But making one of the other characters that is there for just buffs to actually do something else because it gives them a relic pistol that counts as crossfire and explosive fires and it's a damage two weapon so it gives crossfires to everything the, else. Oh, the mythical pistol! I've been, I've been told of this. Somebody in the comments when I made a meme saying that like just about every it's, I, yeah, it's I, the, I, one of two good relic pistols in the game. I yeah. lay so much crap at the feet of the relic pistol and I, people have told me Adam, there's like three good ones in the game. One's in Harlequins. One's in Assyria. Oh, no, one, one's in the Aldari book. Uh, one's in this book. And one is now, I think, in the Votan book. Uh, <laughs> and, it's, not a, it's not a pistol in the Votan book. It's a bolter. Oh, that's so, right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, this one, this one is actually good. Unpa- so, Dustin, you unpacked it. It gives you crossfire for other units. It, yeah? it, well, it counts, it counts as crossfire and explodes. When you're firing, so you're getting plus one to hit, plus one to wound. So, usually, you can put it on something that normally hits on a three. So, now it's hitting on a two. It just gives it more consistency. But the, the big thing is because it is two damage, whatever you fire at, all you need to do is hit once out of these three shots, hitting on twos most of the time, and you're getting free crossfire for one else. Notably, it also gives the bearer the crossfire keyword, which means they can yeah. trigger it for other units. Which um, means we give it, the you, if, if you're bringing a, a saboteur who doesn't have crossfire for whatever reason, now it has crossfire, and now it is actually interacting with your army as a um, Yeah, I, I run this on a Pamavis because it's just the yep, third best too. option. There are also some other great options in here that are just not, not really the way you go. Um, Unwilling Orb is fantastic. It's uh, possible to cast on... Uh, a few types of power, so I believe it's blessed. Which fires and maledictions? Which fires and maledictions? Yeah, so you get the um, the fight last power being the big one. Uh, you also get board wide deny and to deny additional power, uh, which is hilarious and comes up a lot more than you think, especially on the back of a character like right, like an ex uh, Magus. There we Magus. go. Get there in the end. You got there. Uh, the hand of aberrance is like probably the best way to make a primus actually good in combat. It gives him damage three and always win on twos. Uh, primus has more attacks than you'd think, but they're so squishy they usually don't want to be in combat anyway. Uh, and then, like, Gift from Beyond gets you damage through on your sniper and a bit of extra range, and the crouch gives you reroll casts. So, there's like a yeah, few I good ways to avoid where if you're a melee unit or melee army as well, is also a decent one. It could deny some Overwatch with a, when you charge with it, gives a four pinball save. Like, but usually you'd want to put that on something like, you know, an Abominant who, if you're taking it's an terrible. Abominant, you just uh, go ahead and take this. <laughs> it's a bummer, like, it can't get worse, dude. It can't yeah. get worse. All right? I mean, you're already all in. You've already made all the wrong. Yeah. De- you've already made some wrong decisions. Why to make uh, all the wrong decisions? Sword of, Sword of the Void's Eye is also kind of cute on a uh, locus. Nice. Yeah, that's not. Uh, it's uh, rear four rolls to hit and wound. 
going we out. Do, like, it's okay. we, we have we have good relics. It's just we have too many good ones, and there's two of them, like we mentioned at the beginning, that are just you're taking every list. Yeah, so there, there's game. one flex slot, and yeah. at the moment, Oppressor's Bane is the one you run. Um, yeah. Sometimes it's like the Twisted Healer's Relic for plus one damage on your Patriarch makes the cut instead if you're playing a yep. melee heavy list. Yep. Like there, There's a lot of third options that are pretty good. Uh, I think if you're taking a Magus Unwilling, you probably just take Unwilling Orb on the Magus. Um, yep, that, like that as the third relic. Like, like it's, 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 there's, there's one flex slot, like you said, there's two of them that are pretty much, if you're taking a second, you're taking Unwilling Orb. If you're not, you're taking uh, Oppressor's Bane generally. Um, but that's that's the issue, right? Because we have a lot of good ones there. And you can easily take three of You will usually take three relics in every list, usually. Unless you yeah, want to, I think cutting a pressure pain is fine. Like you can take or leave it. Yeah. Uh, if you're not running the clamless well, in like the thirty, le- the neophyte list, or the sapper, don't bother. Well, boys, yeah, I'm, sh- I'm sure people have realized by now. I am not super familiar with this book. Surely it's pretty apparent. But you guys said many words there in reference to the relic <laughs> section, so I'm assuming this is a pass. Yeah, <laughs> this is a pass. I like the relics. I like the relics a lot. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, moving relics on. Relics good. Secondaries. Let's go for the secondary. So this is a, this is actually a section of the book I am quite familiar with. In fact, that I so know. whatever this page, this page in your codex, you forget. Just like scribble. Yeah, the time. Don't, just don't pick sharpie. Yeah. Right, Nephilim, yes. F minus. Because what was written yeah. here is utter garbage compared to what they've got in Nephilim, right? Oh yeah, not even close. So tell First us. So, was okay in this one, it's way better now. Well, oh, yes. yeah. Tell tell us about the secondary suite. What do they get? What are the good ones? All right. So sabotage critical locations is a way to time out your opponent. Um, you hand them, <laughs> you take your take copy, and you say you figure it out, and you come back thirty minutes later as they've called two judges <laughs> over. Um, don't take this. Don't no. Yeah, I I, it's do, not I, think, your I think I remember that one. Yeah, that's the one that's literally like half the page. It's just this one. Yeah, you like, ta- you like it's got a table on the board, and you could do an action in the movement phase, but not like it's a before you reserves start- come in. Like it's bad. Just you glaze over about. halfway through. You see the light. Leave your eyes, and you're just like yeah, man. Why? It's like infantry biker or reductor saboteur non characters. Don't don't. Not worth it. Then there's pay, pay a CP so you hide your secondaries, and then tell them to put down two things just in case you're taking this. One. <laughs> just, just, just think, <laughs> I mean, I could. <laughs> yeah, man, an Iron Warriors player and this guy playing is like they're never getting past the secondary stage. Not even <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Do you remember we all, all right. remember we all had to place our own objectives before they're all preset? Yeah. And oh yeah, it actually was a skill check. And would you yep. bug somebody out? Like, I think you could ha- you could like psych somebody out just making them place a bunch of like his. You hand them just a stack of six <laughs> and be like, "You figure out what I'm doing. Place the objectives." And oh, they're, they're take, already take your places from Harlequins and this. That's what yeah, you want. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, then we've got some real secondary. So we've got purge the enemy, uh, which is the kill things category. We have ambush, which is uh, a much improved from the Codex version. So it's one victory point if you kill a unit with a crossbow marker on it in any way. One victory point if you, or two victory points if you kill a unit with a crossbow marker on it while it's exposed by the line being drawn over it, which we'll get to when we talk about the section. Yeah. Uh, not through any artificial means, so like nothing like perfect ambush. But if it's got the line on it and you can naturally get it, you get two points for killing it. And then if you kill a unit with a unit of yours that was set up this turn uh, from underground or ambush, uh, you get two points, and then that caps at four per battle round. Very, very, very playable secondary. I hesitate to call it good. It's usually like if you don't have a better kill secondary and you can't take something uninteractive, you take ambush and you're happy with 12 on it. But it's very rarely going to get you worse than like 9 to 10. Uh, and it can be like, you definitely can get like 14, 15 on it. Um, it's a good like gap filler secondary that you're never unhappy to have access to. 
Yep. I, uh, I totally agree with that. And um, I think it's always a premium thing to have is a middle scoring purge the, purge the enemy yeah. secondary. It's a kill secondary you can yeah. always get, even if your opponent's playing, like, like almost always get, even if your opponent's playing something like, like if your opponent's not playing something like Knights, where you just take... I can down. tell you that I take this one nine out of ten games. Like, that's, that's I, I, love this, I love this one. It is... I, I will normally get like a 13 to 15 on it in most games. That's fair. Uh, I, I often find it a little difficult to score into a few matchups, like the Terminator matchups and stuff like that. At the moment, yep. can be a real pain. Uh, where you just kind of like, I'll just double, I'll take a, a, an easier non-interactive secondary so I can play a different game. Yeah. Um, the, but yeah. the great thing about it is that normally you you just need to focus on being able. If you can kill at least one thing in every turn, then you'll be able to get to like thirteen to fifteen on it. That's what you got to focus on. Mm. Yeah, exactly. So and if you go first, Gene Steelers are great at getting you an easy three on this. Yeah, because yep. it can be difficult to get three on it if you don't uh, get max. If you don't go first with Gene Steelers, um, just by virtue of the way that setting up on turn one works, is that if they weren't set up this turn from underground, if they if you have second turn because they set up in your opponent's turn. Yep. So Dustin, tell us about the one we haven't talked about because this is this is the best one. This is by far the best one. And that this is the reason to play GSC. This is yeah. the reason to play GSC. <laughs> and the reason why I don't even use the Rock Riders anymore. But uh, it is Brood Swarm. So this one's basically how many more models do you have than your opponent on the board. So you get one point if you outnumber. But this is by model, not by unit. So and not by wounds either. By just pure models. If you outnumber, if you have more models in your deployment zone than your opponent, you get a point. If you have more models in no man's land than your opponent, you get another point. And if, also, if you have more models in your opponent's deployment zone than they do, you get another point. And you get another point if you outnumber, have more models on the table than they do. You get you get the fourth point. But if you do all if you do all four, then you get five points. So you could back that out by turn three. Almost reliably, depending on yeah. what kind of, what you're playing against. This, you, this is, is usually like a three five five. Who cares? Yeah, who cares? Mm-hmm. exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, it, yeah. It's literally, like I will get, get three points on turn points one. On I will get at least three, if not five, on turn two and three, and then yeah. Legit- legitimately, if I can't stop you scoring decent on this turns one and two, I don't bother and just get you fifteen. Yeah, you have it. Yeah, you, you, we can literally just sit and like mostly out of plumbers and no man's land. If you're playing rack horde, I don't take this. Otherwise, I take this. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, this is this is the bee's knees. This is as cl- as close to an auto fifteen for playing the just the, a, a style of army as we have in the game at the moment. This, this, this is a Necron secondary. Uh, the, well, yeah, yeah exactly. No, this is this is to the last for me. This is like, oh, cool. I just yep. play. I just build yep. for this and I just get the points. Um, and which is what to the last was. You like to build for it, and get the points. Um, don't get blown out. Don't get absolutely. One paid. notable thing with this as well is that it's not models wholly within. So if you're playing with or against yeah. this, and you can oh, straddle deployment yeah. lines, you can count your models for both zones, oh, it's, which I hate, fully despise. I do not think that's how it should work. Uh, as the GC player, <laughs> I think I think I should not be allowed to do that. But I can just put twenty guys on the deploy on my on my battlefield line, or on your deployment line. If you like, right? They're in both zones. That's five points. Thank you. Yep. Uh, <laughs> yep. Which oh, just I, feels. Oh, and you can D strike within three with one of these units. That's cool. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, it's only six of the rest. Yeah, this is this is one of the best parts of the codex now. It used to be one of the worst, uh, it, which is yeah. quite nice. Bruce Swarm yeah. is fine, but we had Stranglehold as well. Yeah, so it was yeah. like Bruce Swarm versus Stranglehold, Stranglehold was like a matchup y kind of thing where you usually land Stranglehold. Now it's just Bruce Swarm. Yeah, um, 100%. I can't think of a game where I would take Engage over this. No, um, they, they, even, like, even into that rack matchup, dude, I would still take this over Engage. 
Uh, Engage needs yep. to get better. Engage is trash. Like Engage is it's so bad. So me. bad, man. I should get five points for four quarters now. I think. Yeah. Except unless unless you're an elder player, in which case you should still be two. Uh, you should no, be no. two for all four. They players. should just be un- unallowed, disallowed. Cannot take it if you if you are. It, are your ears pointy? Can't have it. See ya. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right, up to the so a secondary is absolute win. After the data sheet abilities, so different from the detachment abilities. Thanks, G Dub, just to, just to make our lives fun. Uh, but this is uh, actually so scroll through the actually really cool crusade section. That I don't want to read. I've but never this read. is this is there's actually a lot to talk about here because this covers how the ambush works, how the blips work, and how crossfire works. Yeah. I mean, this section made people cry. So yeah. Well, tell tell <laughs> like, us why. Why why was that? Um, there, was, there was somebody uh, I don't want to name names, but if you know who I'm talking about, you'll know who I'm talking about. Who did a review of the G Circle Codex and made it to this page, started trying to read the crossfire rules and said it was too complicated and stopped reviewing the Codex. Oh my god! What a legend! <laughs> I wish I had the balls to do that. <laughs> it's like I'm really sorry. I'm out. I don't understand this section. I'm moving on. <laughs> I'm proud of that person. That's uh, they, they know their limits. They know, they know what they're about. <laughs> <laughs> they know what yeah, they're about. Cro- crossfire is just a road too far for some. Anyway, time for you boys to tell us about it though. So starting off with the conceal and ambush abilities, give us the unpack there and tell us about how the blips and the markers work. Well, sorry, sure. not so how they work. Is... Sorry, sorry, we're not here doing a review. What the hell am I doing? Just tell us if they're good. Tell us if they're good, if they work, yeah. if they're if they're a um, good mechanic. Almost every white deep strike is really good. Uh, it's all infantry bikers just get the deep strike. That's great. Very powerful. Opens up a lot of options for the codex. Um, the fact that uh, that you can deep strike eight away or six away if you choose not to charge is just a little bit better than everybody else. I feel like it probably probably could have been seven for the deep strike away. Because eight still feels really unreliable, and I feel like if you want to make it reliable, just make it reliable. Um, but then it kind of like the difference between seven and six just doesn't feel that big. So I don't know how you, but like I feel like it's still too far for the deep for deep strike charges, and it's not a good way to play this codex. But for deep strike shooting, this is fantastic. And then you've got blips, which are ambush markers to use the term that nobody has ever used. They're called blips because we've all played Space Hulk. Um, these are your training wheels as a GSC player and then they become like the like the bike you ride into the fucking sunset as you're like <laughs> just dabbing at your opponent t posing across the line like you can't build bomb me turn one at mech planes mm-hmm. um so yeah you it, it's so much power being able to all, always always counter deploy your opponent um uh, sometimes in their turn which is the best Blitz uh, are the strongest deployment like mechanic in they're, the game, uh, system mechanic they're probably in the, the game. strongest Black mechanic in the game. If I'm yeah, being strongest, honest. yeah, I, I I would agree with that. So I was like, trying I, to be, I was trying to be a little, uh, play it down a little bit, but no, it's probably the strongest mechanic in the game. Well, it's it's they the don't auto play fix. deployment the same as any other army. Yeah, it's an yeah. auto auto fix your deployment. It's just like ah, my you, I get to see your entire deployment. I just lay down these small little counters, and then I just do whatever. I just make the best of this. I is and is this is such a skill check for the GSC player as well because if you just play this right. They don't do anything turn one. They never do anything turn one. Um, and going first against a Gene Steel player is the most frustrating crap imaginable. Yeah. Nothing you do matters, and the rules don't exist. So who cares? Yep. <laughs> yeah. The rules there are, don't there e- are yeah. definitely ways to exploit ambush markers. Like you can get closer charges on them and things like that. But especially if you can like move out of phase and things like that, there are definitely ways to get around it. But yeah. Um, Making your opponent at best on an enemy charge to turn one, unless they have a mechanic like that, is great. Uh, people often just won't go for plays like that because you have so many ways to make it up as well. You can redeploy blips, anything like that. 
They're so good. You can't move. Like, it used to be you couldn't end a move with a nine of them in the Aether Codex. It's now you can't move with a nine of them at any point. So now you can, like, pre-game move your bikes nine inches forward um, because the bikes pre- are seven inches f- seven inches forward. I know how to do math. Nine inches forward, yeah. Oh, my God, I'm having a day. Uh, but keep them within that nine inches of the blip, which means that, like, a Sunshark Bomber or a Harpy, for example, can't ever fly over one of the models because to go within range to fly over one of them, they would definitionally have to move within nine. Correct. The blip, which yep. they can't do. So you can still move aggressively with this army and keep them within blip range. So you just, like, if you don't want to get bomb turn one, you don't get bomb turn one, um, which is fantastic. Great into the Nids matchup, great into the tie matchup. Uh, they saw you getting turn one charged by almost anything. It's just so good. And then you get, you get into the little stuff like if I put a blip so that it's in a ruin, but within an inch of the outside of the wall, I can like get a truck out on either side of the wall. So if I'm going second, it comes out inside the wall, can't be shot. If I'm going first, it comes out on my on the outside of the wall and pushes aggressively. Um, it, you just get to Schrodinger's cat, your opponent, your entire deployment is on against your opponent. <laughs> um, there's no like a good player playing against GSC will know what you're going like what you're going to do in the sense that like of the options, these are the ones that punch me most, and this is how I play against it. But you still get to look for like little optimizations in that. Um, and like even in the worst case scenario, it's just I get to deploy perfectly good. Like the worst case scenario is I get the perfect deployment against you. The best case scenario is I get to exploit whatever the hell I want. Exactly. Um, you get to pick. Yeah, a, you, get to, you get to pick a flank. You get to yeah. You get to do so much adjustment. Um, tell us about unquestioning loyalty and if that's any good, Dustin. Uh, I it's actually it comes into play more often than people would think, especially if you're playing a hard list too. So unquestioning loyalty is now if you. Our character in GSC and you're getting shot, you're getting you're taking any kind of wounds aside from mortal wounds, as long as you're within three inches of uh I think it's any mutants. Yeah, because it's not even it's not even the uh the characters that have it. It's well the characters some characters do have it, but the units are the ones that have this ability. So if the unit has the ability which neophytes will have, then you roll a four up for any character or a three up for uh, patriarchs because they're patriarchs then you will take that wound for them and that doesn't matter how much damage that wound is it is the wound itself so if it's damage six gun doesn't matter gone oh just and no, kills oh, one this is fight. after saves so like yeah a it's after it's yes. vulnerable save <laughs> yeah uh it's a night it can be a nightmare to kill calamorphs uh calamorphs inside uh with a five vulnerable save inside a broken 20 are like tanking units sometimes it's great which incidentally was one of the reasons that people were playing the Popper Prince build because the Warlord trait for that one was the roll for that was free. So you had a Patriarch out in front, and then he basically had however many wounds that you had models. Yeah, he he just tanked everything through his four plus, and then it filtered on down, and uh, it was it was a good time. Uh, but yeah, it was a good time. Um, the so- other the other two thing you could do with this, but some of the characters have it, so you can like kill a character that's engaged with stuff. Like yep, through another unit and stuff like that. So there's a, there's a lot of ways to abuse this. Uh, it, it often requires like sacrificing a unit you don't really want to lose, but you can just be like, oh, so you have three attacks on this character, three attacks on this character. So whichever one you attack first, the other one's just going to die. And fine, I might keep this one alive now. Mm. And the, also the yeah, thing I, I found, way, they might just die straight up. So. I also I've I have seen demonstrated the pure jank of this, where oh, someone wants to not get interrupted by a patriarch in a, in a couple of different combats. So the patriarch takes a bunch of hits li- and then uses the kills from the unquestioning loyalty to pull neophytes behind them out of combat. <laughs> and yeah, that just becomes such a frustration piece, um, and and it, it unlocks like even more depth of jank for the GSC player. Yeah. All right, Play, playing with like pulling models is one of the big skill like skill level increases you can get with these armies, yeah. uh, which we'll definitely touch on when we come to some stuff like summon the cult. Yeah, yeah, um, exactly. 
Alright, so crossfire. This is my favorite mechanic in the book. This is my favorite mechanic in the game. I want I wanted I want every army to have something like a crossfire mechanic where you have to do something on the table to get a buff, to get a thing. You have to use positional abilities. It'd be the same it's the same as like I guess what the um the the, the bomber expert bombardiers are for guard at the moment. If you have a Vox caster in range, your artillery, artillery gets better. Stuff like that. Where you have to do something on the table in order to activate a, an ability, not just like I said with before, like slap down the CP, make the thing go. Um, it's like if the only way to apply judgment tokens in Voltan was the call looking at you real funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If it feels reasonable, uh-huh. <laughs> Fair <and> reasonable. <laughs> um, or you know, or for them to have you know done a wound every time you do a wound to a Votan, you know, because then you hold the grudge, uh, stuff like that, rather than just being like, oh, you scored points. Pfft, we hate you. You're mate. on the table. Grudge. I'm writing you. You put up a banner. I'm writing your name. I don't like your flag. Yeah, it's absolute garbage. Anyway, um, not that it's a bad mechanic. I'm just saying it's a little bit too given away too freely. Uh, crossfire is exactly the, the, the skill point there are. The opposite. Yes. Crossfire is what the judgment tokens should be. And it's, everybody should have a similar mechanic. I'm of the belief yeah. that this should be a core kind of thing for every army. Um, so crossfire is your mono, mono faction bonus, I believe. And uh, tell us, is this, has this been as good as it was made out to be? Because this was built as the bee's knees, and I, I'm not sure it is. <laughs> it, okay, it feels really, really good when you don't understand what the army's damage output is, and then you realize that it's just the only way to make the army do damage, and you're costed into playing it. Yeah, um, your, your hand, so like, it, it's, it's, it was built to be the bee's knees, and then they gave you no other option but to, to use this, to yeah. be like, this, well, I have to What it actually feels like this. is your units have to meet an activation condition to be yeah, there, to exactly. be units. Yeah. Um, which is a shame, because... because what what it really ends up being is the first like third of your units are either tr- preparing crossfire for other stuff or have automatic crossfire, and then you hope to god the second third of your units get to use it. Um, so like you'll have stuff like perfect ambush or the nexus's auto hits or um, you know firing the oppressor's bane pistol to you know set up on a bunch of units. You fire your flamers, whatever, to try and set it up so that the second half, the second two thirds of your units can use and abuse it. Uh, jackals, if they get within six, get it for free if they've got the crossfire token on them. But you spend a lot of your turn setting up for the cool stuff to happen later. Well, um, that's, that's exactly what I mean. Rather than it being like, oh, um, I'm going to do a bunch of cool stuff in order to get this buff, you like, well, I have no choice but to sacrifice activations so that the rest of my army feels relevant. And that's, yeah, exactly. that's where it kind of feels rough. I kind of just feel like you could remove the need to have the crossfire token on a unit and just have it apply for GSC. Like, I get there would be a big power increase, but, like, the crossfire markers could do something else. The crossfire markers could give you, like, the melee abilities on it, like, give the melee units possible to hit if they've got a crossfire numbers or like that. Like, you could make this a lot a much more interesting mechanic rather than what it is at the moment, which is just your shooting isn't real until you've met conditions. Um, it's very powerful, don't get me wrong. Like, plus one to hit, plus one to wound, and ignore cover are so all not- very powerful buffs. Yeah. But... Just feels like you're a blessed skill three army that isn't blessed skill three until like two th- until you're a bit into your turn until you've wasted a couple of things um, or you have yeah, to exactly. you have to you have to take like 100 200 points of yeah, your or army you jump through hoops. Yeah. you jump through a bunch of hoops yeah despite that I freaking love it I think it's awesome <laughs> I think yeah. it's cool you feel so good when you're like so I'm gonna bring in my R and D unit and it's gonna be just here cross the line get my laser pointer out look at that look how boned you are uh, <laughs> yeah. 
Do you want to just pick the models up? <laughs> no. Um, the, wor- the worst Dustin. thing about it, actually, is how much it telegraphs your opponent what's shooting where when happen. you start measuring lines. And tells them where to, you know, do stuff like turning off involves and transhumans and minus ones to hit and all this stuff. And just, like, everything's just, oh, cool. Uh, it makes them a little bit easy for it. When it should be, like, a, 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 a not a gotcha, but it should just be a thing that, that just happens to them. Anyway, Dustin, what's your thoughts on this? I I love the crossfire mechanic. It is one of the reasons. Like I said, when I first saw the codex, it was confusing to me that everybody was going so heavy in the the melee when we had this really cool shooting mechanic to make us more more shooty. Now I get the fact that because we're a Blissco Four army, we well, although we technically are like a three with uh, all the crossfire tokens we can get. It's just I think it's a cool mechanic that you have to build your army if you want to do that way in terms of. But see, this is the kind of mechanic I wish everyone in Ninth Edition have. Actually, adding a mechanic like this to something like Marines now in a data slate would make a would just like enhance the army a lot. Like you could do something like uh, bolters. Like every every second activation of a bolter adds another rend if you're shooting at the same target, stuff like that. <laughs> like, yeah, man, Marines, right. Marines need more complicated rules. Not just absolutely. Like, absolutely. They're, they're, they're too. They're too simple. Yeah, hundred percent too yeah. simple. Marines have only gotten like plus one strength, toughness, wound, attack initiatives. Exactly, exactly. Uh, point of armor save. They need more. Right? They need more plus skill weapon. They get two of those in addition. They're due for their second one. That's <laughs> um, uh, But yeah, so this this is, I believe, the funnest bit of the book. But I just don't like how forced you are into it. Um, but then again, like the best players, like make it seem easy almost. It's, we're forced into it, but it's something that it makes. It's the reason our army is good right now. Like, let's be honest. Like, oh, well, at least the, the reason that play, our industrial training build is good. I feel like this is one of those mechanics where the play against and the play with experience are so different. The play with experience is like insanely like I have to make sure everything's perfect. The play against experience is my opponent's entire army's possible dead. That's 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 my yeah. virtually my. You experience. don't feel like you're well, getting play, like you don't feel like your opponent's doing that much to trigger it when you're playing with it. You feel like you're doing loads, but there's not that the weight of understanding on the opponent. I don't think to recognize when they've been positioned around very well. Um, it just kind of it feels like it's just always happening. Well, that's a thing for us to discuss in part two because one of the I think one of the greatest strengths of the GSD Codex right now is the fact that it's still so unknown. I mean, pff, I essentially am full. I mostly full time 40k, and there's still so many as, uh, listening to this. The reason I have, if I didn't say this at the start, the reason I have two hosts right now is because I feel like an absolute amateur when it comes to this codex. So I wanted two experts on, um, but just just to make sure we got this right. And so yeah, yeah, there's just so much I still don't understand about this book because, uh, like you said, I thought all the freaking, I thought all the. I thought all the dollar menu stuff was the Warlord traits, and then no one took anything from the dollar menu except like Mimi, um, the Perfect Ambush, and Exposed sometimes. And there's like three others that you guys take that I didn't even notice. Um, but anyway, yeah, Crossfire is freaking sick. It's it's a mechanic that I wish they would use more often. Some things of that level of that ilk. But let's move on to the data sheets. This has been one of the most uh, complained about, contentious, vitriolic sections of this book because the, I believe the gap between the good and the crap is pretty vast. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you think with like twenty data sheets there'd be less disparity. But... Yeah. Well so Dustin, take take it away. Which is the best and which is the worst? Well see the best right now, uh, obviously our characters are most of them are pretty good. Like they're the Nexos auto include, Kelomorph auto include, Primus is pretty much an auto include, I think, with uh, a lot of the builds you have right now, just to reroll one aura and giving one reroll once a wound. Like it's it's just a really good uh character suite we have. Almost too many because it's hard to not take some of them sometimes, but Acolytes, like six on assassinate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Our troops are phenomenal. They are, they're really good. They're really valuable for their points. They could do a lot. They do a lot of the work in our codex as well. G sealers, obviously, they're 
popped on there the the top top tier list because of the number of attacks they have with negative three attacks. It's it's they're consistent with hitting on twos as well, so they're obviously fantastic. If you want to go right to the worst, let, 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 Muscle Beach is gone. There's a reason. There's yeah, a reason it's gone. I mean, <laughs> it wasn't even it wasn't even like it had like what a, was it even three months where it was like contending. It, it was a while. It was, was like though? yeah, because it stretched from like before WTC by like five months through to like when the book dropped in like but it was it, it was that was in the premium position in eighth edition where there was orcs in the meta that were extremely strong it wasn't the best army in the game it wasn't even oppressively no, it, good it was it was a contender it was very good yeah the entire way through. but it, was, like, it, it had like a solid eight months and then it got hit in it went, it went from like february to december but uh, I mean, you got hit in December because I played a tournament in December, and then my list went up seven hundred points. Uh, yeah, I, d- I don't understand how it's paying. It's paying so many. It's paying for so many crimes. Like when when the only the only other unit that I can think has been done dirtier. There's only one unit I think has been done dirty in these guys, and it's Dark Reapers. Is the only unit that I think, and I think Dark Reapers were so much more oppressive. Uh, uh, aggressors. Yeah. Were aggressors even that bad? I mean, I mean maybe uh, assault. Maybe assault. Got, maybe assault lost double shield. Ah, maybe assaults were worse. Yeah, I think Reapers were worse. Yunari Reapers in 8th edition, around about the same time as the Aberrants, was straight up busted. Fire and fading, double shooting, freaking That was uh, over yeah. a year beforehand. <laughs> was it? No, they were still around. Yeah. They were still around. Yunari was still around, was still that, around at, that, at that LVO. They had lost part of the Phoenix at that point. Yeah, yeah. They were, they were into like their fourth round of nurse and still relevant, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but like I said, yeah, no, was, aberrants are when we're talking about one of the worst issues in the game. Yeah, it's, they are. It's, the problem is that because they're so outdated now. Because they're they're even at the time their dash was like, oh, okay, I could try these. But we have had several things come out since then that are basically aberrants but cheaper and better. <laughs> Berserkers. Oh, yeah, excuse yeah, me. Yeah, excuse me. I mean, I you can you can pair for the cotton my throat. attacks, man. Jeez, <laughs> Like, two what, attacks. Two attacks. Come on. Oh, and you. Uh, yeah, it, it's it's so bad. Oh my lord. Oh, you get money for me on that. Shut up. Yeah. Just shut up. Yeah. <laughs> absolute absolute trash. Uh, for fucking stop sign. Oh, dude. <laughs> they killed the stop sign. It's so dead. They straight up killed the stop sign. It shouldn't have been the most powerful yeah. weapon in the universe, but still. Yeah. They scrapped it. They took it into the scrap pile. But what? So what I was getting with the previous point. Even when it was, even when it was one of the best armies in the game, it wasn't the dominant army in the game. It wasn't a Castellan list of eight. Exactly. It wasn't a double speed Unari. It wasn't the best army in the game for a period of time. It was a, it was an absolutely a top tier contender with like three others during the best part of eighth edition. Um, so why has it been absolutely killed? Why have they been nerfed and nuked like n- almost no other in ninth edition? And that's, so that's that's my question to G Dub if you're listening. Um, but what's what's the day? So I don't know. It, it was an ignored. I think it's more like to be ignored. Yeah, GSC. So Cust- Custodes came out the same weekend as book. Custodes got more buffs before the book dropped than GSC have <laughs> ever had. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually true. Holy crap! Uh, uh, the only changes GSC have received since since re- since release is pro- is the secondary changes. That's it. It's the yeah. only changes the book's yeah. ever had. Um, in, secondary changes, in, and everybody was secondary changes. Yeah. In saying this, I think uh, that yeah, apart from the troops' choices that. The jackals are like the best next best. Jackals, right? I, I I would put jack. I like telemorph jackals is my order. Um, yeah. I would have gone. Neo, I would have gone neo's jackals. I just because I weirdly, I, I anything that's not a HQ or a troop. Oh, sorry, anything that's not a character, I put a below good troops and stuff. But um, tell us why. I just don't why. understand how you can give a jack. Jackals have seven special rules. Did you know that? Yeah, they're they're, twelve point one. Yeah. 
They have seven, seven different specials. Straight up, they are one of the best data sheets in almost any book. The fact that they're the fact that they're in the Gene Steele cult book makes it is one of the reasons they're they're held back from like being truly a dominant thing. Um, like if you gave that unit to the in the New Guard book, <laughs> <laughs> oof. no, oof. no, no, bikes are bikes are way too good right now. They're, they they I will never leave home without thirty. I, just... I, I realistically think bikes need a points bump and the melee weapons to become free um, so that you're like priced into paying more points for them, but they don't reduce in power. Uh, I think that was probably where that's, I would look. That's but... a good call. And then everything else in the book needs to go down or get better. <laughs> well, yeah, a lot of I think jackals probably have a little too much. So yeah, they fall back and shoot. They fall back and charge. Not that super relevant, but it's a lot of movement. They're movement 14. They pre-game move. They're always minus one to hit. And the, if you're within six and you've got a crossfire token on you, well, again, you're exposed. They're puzzled and wound. And so then, they just... And, then, and their guns are pistols, so if you yeah. get tied in combat, the flamers are industrial weapons, so they get possible damage from the stratagem, like when you're just using it on your grenades anyway. They just don't do anything bad. They don't do everything, but everything they do, they do just well enough that it adds up to an well, insanely good 12 points. Oh, yeah, they're just from, so good. For that. Even though they're just close to something, oh, I can't get behind this one thing that I really need to die. All right, 2 CP, now my entire oh, army gets plus one to wound. <laughs> and, and dude, uh, they, they are, from my point of view, they are the possibly the perfect like objective contesting unit in the game. If they were obsec, they would be they would be hands down the best. But they're, they're a little oh, weak in combat for that for yeah. me. Like unless you're willing to spend a lot I mean, of CP on them, I mean, which they're still limited how much they can kill. What I mean uh, is that when you when you're in a trade war and somebody's got five five battle sisters on an objective, you can go clear that very easily, and they have to send three things to try and take it back to yeah. think that oh, they're yeah, going to try sure. and take it back, and then they're not. You know they're not going to, and oh, you're going to start. You know what we didn't talk about in the data in the data sheet rules section is summon the cult. Oh right, that's well, right. We didn't talk about that. It's kind of it's kind of important. It's it's kind of the reason that the black the blacklist works, right? So yeah. lay it on us. All right. So summon the cult is an aura that the acolyte icon ward has for six inches for core, and then you can pay twenty points to give it to the acolytes, the neophytes, and the network hybrids. If it's not neophyte hybrids and it's core, and it gets D three models back in the command phase. If it's neophytes, it gets D six models back. If you've got an icon as well, you get to roll uh, two dice, uh, and it's capped, but it's capped at six returned. Um, this rule is really, really good when you consider that Atalan Jackals have quads in them, which are four models that are minus one to hit, mini transhuman, and six of field of pain. And they just come back like at the other, they just like teleport from one end of the squad to the other, just like, all right, so he's died over there. I'm now going to be three inches closer to you, and I'm going to hit my charge. Uh, or oh, I'm going to pull out of combat and bring all the guns back at this back end of the squad. Uh, and now I'm not, now I'm shooting for free because I've just fallen back and shot by taking casualties. Don't worry about it. You'll only beat yourself up about that in, a lot later. In my prep for WTC and the handful of prep games I got uh, with my list um, before this submission, I was testing the ten paladins, and I, ch- I was playing. I played against a, a bunch of games against uh, GSC. I charged ten paladins into uh, almost fully buffed. They had Drago reels in. They don't need to. Everything bar the three damage. I think the three damage would have put them over the top. But they didn't kill all of a unit of jackals 10 paladins did not kill them and then they they ran away rezzed and got behind me and it was horrific yeah. the, <laughs> the math was that without spending three cp the reaper flyer doesn't kill them either it's uh, so oh my mm, god for the points like, they're just so good and that was before the nerf now the reaper flyer doesn't close to kill them um you they are so tanky for roughly 170 to 180 points they're not like they're not tanky in the same way other units are tanky. Like, nothing is tanky like jackals are. They just, 
they're a damaged sink in a way that nothing else is. Um, yeah. Like, I've had one armorer kill the same quad bike four times in the game. It's just like, yep, you're killing one dude a turn, this quad bike. It's, it's coming back, charging you again. Wait, what was it? There was. Uh, it, do you know what they feel like? They feel like the big quad of the Archon. They feel like a, a, a maxed out quad of the Archon. Um, that moves a bajillion inches, scout moves, is in a blip turn one. Yeah, that's <laughs> kind of comparable, I suppose. Yeah. The, core, the core of the Archon felt a lot more like it was just a tank, because it wasn't yeah. getting stuff back. That's what I mean. It's like, just the fact so that it gets I, stuff I, back makes I it mean, feel so different to anything else. Yeah, I mean, damage sync-wise. When you shoot at it, you, when you activate and shoot at it, you're like, oh, yeah, I'll do a bit, I'll do this, do this, and you, you never do as much as you think. You never not. Yeah, or like the, the five-up safe scarabs. Yeah, oh, perfect. Yeah, perfect analogy as well. I was trying to think of, of did we ever, were we ever able to res, um, what did the Kronos used to do for the Talos and the Grotesque? Did they ever resurrect you could bring, them? You could bring them back. Yeah, yeah exactly. Bring that's, them back. that's another comparison point as well. It, like when the Dark Techno yeah. resurrecting Talos and crap. But they do all Kronos. of that while being yeah. cheap and reasonably uh, punchy and being mm. one of the few sources of spike damage up in those with the demolition charges, yeah. uh, which as we said before, are just a Lehman Ross on a stick. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's so good. It's a tank hammer. They literally like a, a, a yeah. An old tank hammer. Um, but what are some other like? We'll just do one or other two, one or other data sheet each, and then we'll wrap this up. Uh, Dustin, tell us about one of your faves that we haven't mentioned yet. That we haven't mentioned yet. Haven't mentioned yet. Ooh. If there's none left, uh, there's none left. That's indicative of the book. Well, I'll, just be deep, I'll be deep diving pure strains, Dustin. If that helps, so that helps. Okay, that that makes it easier. So I'm gonna go into the rock grinders because I love rock grinders, even though they're not on my list anymore. I still love them, and I think they're very data sheet. They're just in the current uh, current meta. I. They're still great. I would I would run them in most of my lists, but it's just I mean, the way I've gone with my list. I'm just pure horde now. But rock grinders, I think, are absolutely phenomenal. They're they're one of our one of our two tanks, and they have a six capacity. So usually it'll be a, a five man of something like normally you'd either have like a you'd have a five man like obsec squad of acolytes to do something with. I sometimes would run them with like two little heavy weapons so they could do something into close combat. But I would be whatever. five with the Calamorph was my uh, rock grinder yep. staff usually. Yeah. Calamorph was always because the Calamorph could get out, shoot, and then get back in because it's a normal move in a different phase. Or into a different one. <laughs> or into a different one. Like the, having three D's on, on the field with three Calamorphs was just like, oh my God, it was it was the greatest time in this game. Anyway. I uh, <laughs> I remember I distinctly remember sacrificing a freaking Talamaster to kill a Calamorph because I was just so done with his yeah. shit. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that, this, this, this thing is one of the reasons why it would be so annoying to deal with. It move it moves twelve. It's uh, a tank with minus one damage, T seven, three up save now, which is it's gotten a lot more durable since uh, our uh, last last codex. It has three, two really good weapons. One weapon is like I probably wouldn't take it because the other ones are better, but and it's really good in close combat. It is a tank that is cheap for what it does, and it's good at everything. And it has an auto explosive. Well, and it has an auto explosive. If you if yeah. you spend five points on it, which why aren't you spending five points on it? Exactly. Yeah. It also Spend does come with the crosshair mechanic, so you can, it gets it gets possible to hit wound, and it's also a good source of giving up possible to hit wound. Yeah, because it has a lot of uh, like almost all of its weapons just come base with multiple damage, except for the clearance incinerator. But you can give it plus one if you really need to. But. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about one, and then we'll go to the pure strain G's that Ines wants to talk about. And I'm just talking about this one because I think it's a spicy tech piece that if you're not running, you probably need to. And this is the Clamavus. I think, uh, especially with flamers being slapped into every single thing yeah. that can take them, <laughs> and flamers being pretty much the perfect profile for removing a GSC body. Um, 
that the Clamavis is necessary because it gives you the infiltrator pushback of 12 inches. So you can just have a very stable backfield if you want, or if you can protect it forward enough in your army. Um, if you have like a little nook in an L or something, you can dive him in there and just project into the midboard. In addition, it's not, it's just, it's not nothing. You can still, you could uh, put a, a buff on a core unit within 12, so they can still perform an action and shoot. So one of your Neo, Neo units can chuck oh, up a banner. Did we talk about command visibilities when you set up from reserve? We that, didn't. that you can um yeah it's it's enough we don't need to cover we did, we did it. there we go we did it so, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so, yeah. Um, yeah so this guy great coming in from reserve with the with the crossfire pistol you give your unit a 20 if it's basically immune to morale you're only going to lose one model and then they get to do your r&d and still shoot it's great yes very it's, powerful it's, the turn off obsec comes up not great but it it's about useful enough that you will not complain about well it's it. um it's no line of sight um so for the for the turn off obsec so in the phrase, select one enemy within 12 of this model and roll 3d6. It's so when you've seen what you've killed and you failed to kill a thing that's going to come and take an objective off you next turn, you just be like 3d6 opportunistically take off that obsec and, you know, maybe I'll get another four points. Yeah, or you can't do data spray action or you fail oh, the scouting perfect. action. Yeah, yeah perfect. Um, but just yeah, stuff like that. That's it's a great all, one. It's all fairly usable. Yeah. It's um, not nothing you're like, you're not taking it for that, but it, when it comes up, you're not complaining. Yeah. All right. Uh, tell us about these pure strain Gs. All right, so pure strange dealers are my favorite unit in the codex, and I'm going to be honest: if I couldn't play a list with them, I wouldn't play GSC at all. Um, like I'm not playing Eric's new 120 fights list because it's not pure strange in it, and I refuse. I'm just flat not doing it. They are movement eight, Dude, you've I got an eight inch pregame move with the uh, art with the they came from below pregame upgrade. They advance and charge, unlike the alternative ones. They have a flat six advance stratagem, and then they're just four attacks, AP three each on twos. They're very consistent. They like eight damage on average to an armiger, which is enough to like do some chip damage and still charge it and kill it and bounce. Love them. They're great. They do everything you could want. They're four affordable save. They bounce back into the sky after they kill something on turn one. They get your ambush points. Then they go back to the sky. They come down turn three or they come down on turn two. They sit in a ruin and project threat. And then turn three, they either try to roll for the nine charge or they wait a turn. They advance out and they go through an objective. They do your backfield R&Ds and all that kind of stuff. Fantastic little unit for not that many points. It's 150 for a score of 10 with the premium upgrade. Cannot stress enough how much I love them. And they get Colcrete's this book. They just don't have core. If they had core, I think I would probably make them they were probably my favorite unit in the game. Until they get core, which I think they could have and not be too sad about. Uh yeah, they're just so good. They're I've, so consistent. I've been a little uh yeah, the 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 injection of toughness five into the game had me a little bit worried. So I'm actually real happy to hear that you're still getting some mileage out and they're still they're still warranting their spot in the list. They've gone from being something that punches up to something that chases your opponent's scoring off the board. That's right. And limits yeah. where they can protect. So like I'll use them to go and kill a squad of legionnaires on an objective or, you know, finish off some something that I'm gonna charge. Because often what you can do is you can like nine inch move, fourteen inch move a squad of bikes, get a demo charger to range, and the gene sealers can clean it up. Um, and they're great for that specifically. Uh, so, like, if you can kill three or four wraiths out of a squad of five or six, uh, the Jesus will probably kill the last two. They're not, you're not going to charge it to a squad of five. Um, and they've been very, very consistent for specifically that. Um, and the fact that they can go back into reserve after doing it. And you have a lot of matchups like Sisters and stuff like that. Uh, the XJAP on sixes also helps them out a lot from Call of the Killers. Yep, they're yep. just very, very good and consistent. 
Nice. I, I'd, I really I'd love to hear it because a, a Gene Steeler cult book where the Gene Steelers aren't viable is just a very sad time. All right. So that is going to wrap us up for this, guys. The last thing we do before we wrap up is we give that our rating system. Um, upon first review of a book, of course, I go through two ratings metrics. The first one being a score of out of 10 for how happy the player base of said faction should be with this book. Um, on release of this book, I was given this like a 7 or an 8 out of 10, I believe for how fun and how much I think GSC players were going to enjoy it, but I think I only put it in the B tier for power and strength. I think it would, it dropped out of that B tier into the C for a little while, especially on the statistics. But, you know, gents like yourselves and like Eric and a few other people around the world have been giving it a decent run. So, Dustin, starting with you, how happy are you as a Gene Steeler cult player with this book 12 months after its release? I am actually very happy with it. I love where it is right now. I, I get nervous when I think about, oh no, what's coming next for it? Because this is... I, I love where this is. I, I'm having so much fun with it. Now, mind you, my lists have been pretty much, I'm not going to call it stale, but they've, I've kind of figured out where I want it to be now. So I'm not trying out new stuff anymore. And I always love trying out new stuff with the code, with the GSA called Codex. Since it has so many things you can do with it, but I love where it is and I'm having a lot nice. of fun. So out of 10, how happy? I would say a nine out of 10. It would be a 10 nice. out of 10 if I could play aberrants. Fan freaking tastic. <laughs> I love that. Uh, Inez, yourself. Oh, I'm going to be the donor. I, do not like this book. Oh, you bastard. Why are you even here? I don't know if it's contextual <laughs> to the current metagame, but I just this book doesn't line up with anything I want Jesse to be. Um, I, I'm playing it because it's powerful, it's in my wheelhouse, and it still has some cool stuff, which is why I'm not going to give it like a, a failing grid. It's still going to be like a 5 out of 10 for me. Yeah, it's just, yeah. There is some really cool stuff you can do here, and you feel really smart when you're playing it, but it also you're playing a lot of game per game with this Codex. Uh, and I generally like my my armies to give me an easy ride in the easy games, uh, which this book really doesn't do. You can't really step your, like, let's turn your brain off at all when you're playing this book. And I wish the melee stuff was better. Like, I would love to play a list with, like, 20 aberrants, three big squads, like, three blocks of 10 acolytes or even 15s. But it's just... And I, the fact that you can't really play deep strike charges in this book outside of maybe one unit with a trap is sprung for the 3d6 drop the lowest charge, um, it's so inconsistent on that front and so easy to screen that we're kind of forced into either playing shooting from deep strike or combat from transports and on the board stuff. And that's not what I want to play. I want to play the the seventh edition style cult like the cult insurrection where everything's just popping up, bouncing up, yeah. bouncing down. It was um, cool. That's what I want to play. That's what I got into GSC for, and this book doesn't serve that at all. The power of the book like gives me like that that five. Like I think the Kellamores are great. I, I love how good pure strains can be. Um, but like the patriarch being kind of weak, acolytes being more of a supporting unit, and you know, like it pushes it down for me. So I'm like four, maybe a five. And I'll say five because I've had some good success with it recently. And I'll yep. give them I'll have a bit of confirmation bias. I real so for me, this really feels like this was a first a first year of ninth edition book that came out in the second year of ninth edition. There hasn't been a single meta of since the book has come out where I felt it was comfortable. Like it had comfortable play into the, into all the armies it needed to, to in order to contend at, at the competitive level um, for that. I will have to downgrade, I think from a seven to an eight, I think a five or a six, I think I'm probably going to go a six for how happy I would be as a GSC player to have this book in my hands. It's going to be, it's, it's rewarding when it's, when it's rewarding. If you feel like, like I said, like a maestro, like a savant at the table when it all works and comes together, but is the juice worth the squeeze at times? I do wonder. And as for uh, where, so first up, where is it, where is it on the uh, meta dashboard for stats 
uh, 40k stats. Oh god, you're gonna make me look at my own website. How dare you? Uh, <laughs> well, while you look that up, Dustin, stop how, time. Where, where where do you put these guys in the competitive tiers right now? Oh, competitive tiers, they're definitely. Uh, there's there's again there's certain builds that they that work with them right now and like i was saying you can't even do like the deep striking stuff right now it's, it's just especially because flavors have become such a huge thing and people are ready to deal with deep strikers our melee guys are just not gonna be deep striking in so it doesn't feel that way so i put them like in the lower middle of the pack in general just because it's not something that you can just pick up and play you have to put a lot of effort and you cannot turn your brain off when you play these even in matchups that should be easy like army comps that you would just dummy normally you still have to use your brain to, to do it otherwise you will get mocked you cannot make mistakes with them so it's still a lower tier army in terms of the the actual better i think so but is that a has, so that's a middle b or is that even a b minus uh it's probably a b minus yep i think i think that's fair i think it's very prohibitive for the new player to pick up this army and try and take it to an event this is an army that you need like 100 reps to, to step Which into to a be gene. fair it's one of the reasons i love it True. Uh, true. Absolutely. So some people out there like are attracted to that. They get they get invigorated by that, and uh, knowing that their wins kind of mean more um, than somebody's unger in the top tier, whatever. Uh, Inez, you got it for us. Yeah. So G Cult specifically right now are sitting at a fifty three percent win rate overall. That's good. That's good. Uh, for the past few months. Um, I, I have them in kind of like that. Yeah, that B minus, maybe C plus tier. I would say they're probably C plus in the average player's hands, and then. A minus if you've really put the work in for them, um, but, but there's just a big gulf there, uh, and the work to go from that B plus that C plus to the A minus, it probably averages out to about a B. Um, but so, if you if you can really put the effort in, you will get a lot a lot more out of them you put into them. But you're also gonna have your brain falling out your ears by the end of game five. I actually uh, I actually feel like uh, certain players in the meta just have like an almost you know has like industrial affinity. They have like GSC affinity. Because yeah, exactly. they they are able, and yourselves included, they are able to do things with this army that other people just can't seem to do, even with hundreds of yeah. reps. I know players uh, who... I don't know how I played eight rounds at GSC at Coventry and then went home the next day and went to work. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Did you like do planks for a month month beforehand, being like just in preparation? Have you seen the size of me? I've never done a I, plank I, in my I, life. I have, but yeah. Um, I wasn't going to mention it. Um <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, exactly right. On that note, we will sign this one off. Thank you very much for joining me, gentlemen. Once again, feel free to plug your stuff, not in length, but where can people find you, Inez? You can find me every Tuesday night at StatCheck on YouTube or stat-check.com. Dustin, where can they find you? Wednesday nights on Twitch and YouTube, just search Stutter Scrub, and every other Tuesday we'll be releasing podcast episodes, just search Stutter Scrub where you listen to your podcasts. Beautiful. Thank you very much for joining us, guys. Hopefully, you'll stay with us because this chat is actually just getting started. We're going to go over to the part two, answer a bunch of listener questions, and unpack some of the juicy, spicy bits of this faction with some of the best players in the world. Uh, I'm not sure if you can, if you are going to be staying tuned after this. I have tried to, to line up a segment with Eric Lathuris. He's an extremely busy lad um, and very hard to nail down at times. He's just got, he just returns to the shadows. Like, he's just always got the CP ready. Um, so, I'm going to, so hopefully, you'll have 10, 15 minutes with Eric after this. If not, my apologies. I'll probably have this edited out. If I don't, my apologies again. I couldn't be bothered. <laughs> Please come and join us over on part two. <laughs> Love you all. See you there. Thank you for listening to Art of War Down Under, a content review podcast for Warhammer 40K. 
Hosted by Adam Camilleri. Produced by Seamus Ronan. Enjoyed the show? Want your lists reviewed and the content you heard put into practice? Sign up to our Patreon and connect with us online or on Facebook. Just search for Art of War Down Under. Signing out from tomorrow.